The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. <laughs> North South Connection. Welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Churning and burning uh, through the Ruthless Aggression era. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything clever to say to start this. I'll just bring in my guests. We have a, a good bit to get through. Um, I actually have some news notes, so we'll we'll get this popping. Uh, Logan, you're still with me for this little jaunt? Yeah, I haven't left yet. Uh, as, as bad as some of these Raws have been, I'm, I'm holding holding steady. I'm still here. Uh, and I'm going to continue to power through. So glad to be here. You have one week of TV left after this. God bless you. But <laughs> yeah, the raw particular is like uh, this week of raw was like when you hear people say like, yeah, 2003, like that's when raw was like in the shitter. I think this was the week where it finally like, cause I think the mania hype before was maybe keeping what's well, like booing me a bit, but this was like this week was, um, yeah, it was, it was rough. I, I feel like I say that every time, but this one for sure, as we'll discuss, was um, things are getting a little, little shaky here. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, for sure. <laughs> right. So um, we'll keep going. So we're, we're two weeks away from Backlash, which you are with me until then. Uh, you have not gone on strike yet. I probably need to give you a pay raise from the $0 <laughs> I'm paying you now to watch this. But I appreciate you uh um, joining along, but I do kind of like the, uh, I'm digging the new dynamic though, uh, because you've been with me through this, you know, how the build's going. Um, we're all on the same, we're on the same page with this, but 
All right, so we do have, we have it in a couple weeks, but I do have a few news notes and a a couple things I just decided to throw in there because uh, we'll get to the shows. They're not the most eventful shows you're ever going to get. I mean, they're still packed as these always are, but I feel like we may go through these maybe a bit quicker than usual just because they're not the most eventful. So um, I did throw a few things there just to discuss, maybe if they aren't even totally news notes. So if you're ready, we'll, we'll bang them out. Let's do it. All right, so um, in a, uh, a very common thing where the podcast we do are meeting, basing itself uh, around pro wrestling, TNN is undergoing its third name change over the past two years and will be renamed Spike TV on uh, June 16th to represent its attempt to position itself as the first network for men. So funny enough, we just coincidentally, we just reached the, the Spike TV era of uh, TNA on our TNA podcast, Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, and even uh, on our next episode, uh, well, not our next episode, but the one after that, that we'll be moving to Thursday night. So we're not only on Spike, but we're about to get into the position where they will be for almost the rest of time uh, until they leave Spike eventually. But um, yeah, uh, pretty pretty uh, serendipitous that it's that way. Right. So we'll see if that affects our, how they present anything as we go I'm along. Sure spike uh, the ratings. Hey, uh, funny you should say that. Good transition because this is not ratings, but the uh, the early estimates for the buy rate for uh, WrestleMania 19 are in, and it did not do fantastic numbers. Uh, it's estimated between 525,000 and 550,000 buys, which is a 1.0 buy rate in 2003, which would be a 35 to 38% drop from WrestleMania 18. So despite us raving about the show, um, Buy rate wise, a, a bit of a downswing. As if people today knew uh, that they just didn't buy the uh, greatest WrestleMania of all time uh, and showed it such uh, so showed it such disgrace and uh, not buying it, uh, uh, what they would think now, uh, watching the current product and uh, the more recent WrestleManias, uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. But um, it's still the greatest WrestleMania, no matter how the buy rate was. <laughs> right. And a little bit more context, so the previous year's Rumble, Rumble 2002, which apparently wasn't carried on DirecTV, so that kind of took a chunk out of it, but that did 636,000 buys. So uh, Rumble 02 outperformed Mania 19, and No Way Out the month before did almost equal to WrestleMania 19 with the big return of The Rock, Steve Austin, and Hulk Hogan all pay-per-view, so kind of on the back of that. So... um, it's just been a continuing trend since I started the pod. This is, I mean, it's part of why this is its own era. I mean, that's why we've transitioned from the Attitude Era into this era. It is kind of a, a bit of a downswing in business, even though I don't think it's necessarily like it's they're threatening to go out of business or anything. It's just a matter of, like, compared to how successful they were the previous few years, it is a bit of a downswing, but not like, you know. They're not holding WrestleMania in Hartford or anything, so it's not yeah. quite to that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard it's hard to sustain how powerful and uh, how how big they got in like ninety nine two thousand. I mean, they could have done a little bit better job of keeping uh, more of the fan base than they did. Uh, they kind of scared some people away with some of the stupid storylines that they do during this time and have done during the periods that you've covered so far on this. But um, I definitely think uh, that was never going to be sustainable uh, just with how, I mean, not that they've gotten to streaming and all that that they have now today, but um, just mm-hmm. with how, how the whole TV audience and how, you know, the, I don't know the DVR is around yet, but DVR becomes a thing and people just aren't watching stuff live. 
So, right. um, I mean, the the numbers that they were putting up in 2000 just weren't sustainable, but they could have done a better job and maybe kept a couple more people or a couple, you know, good good amounts of chunks of people uh, watching if they had not uh, kind of fallen into some storylines that uh, maybe aren't, aren't as uh, pleasing to the eyes. S- some of the ones that really got them into prominence were. Mm-hmm. And we are very close. We are very near to the brand-specific pay-per-views, which I imagine is going to take a chunk out of their month-to-month as well. So that'll be something else to look for. Um, We have our one big juicy, and this is a pretty famous story, but we have reached a point where we have a pretty juicy backstage altercation. Um, All right, let's see if you can guess this before. Do you know which one I'm alluding to possibly in this time frame, Logan? You have a somewhat encyclopedic knowledge of this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. I, I probably should have uh, thought about it beforehand, but I, I don't I don't know. It is the famous Goldberg and Jericho backstage uh, ah. tiff. Was actually I don't know if I realized it was this early in his return, but apparently um, Goldberg was talking to Kevin Nash earlier in the night. So I think this would have been on the um, the previous week's RAW, on the April seventh uh, RAW. Okay. Something about uh, Goldberg was talking to Nash earlier that night about his angle where Nash was going to powerbomb Jericho, and Goldberg made a comment about Jericho selling, uh, which naturally got back to Jericho. It's believed that either Nash told Jericho or Shane Helms did, so Hurricane standing up for <laughs> truth and justice. Uh, over the conversation went to Jericho. Jericho went to Goldberg and said, um, you know, they're not in WCW anymore. This is WWE. Guys try to help each other out. So if you have anything negative to say, say it to my face, uh, like Alex Riley. Uh, the two had words which heated up, and the language got colorful. Apparently, Goldberg went to grab Jericho by the throat, and Jericho grabbed the front face lock, and uh, they both went down, and it was quickly broken up. I think time has decided that Jericho kind of got the better of this, which, of course, is a little surprising on the surface because Goldberg is obviously a much bigger guy, but I guess Jericho is a bit more... Um, you know, shoot wrestling experience, I guess, you know, he's, uh, you know, got the, uh, that Canadian background, you know, so I guess he took Goldberg <laughs> down. So, which made him apparently like a hero in the locker room. And, you know, these are all stories. So take everything with a grain of salt as always, but you know, that he, that, uh, there's already some natural resentment for Goldberg coming in and getting this great deal and kind of being an outsider. So I think the backstage, maybe there is already one to resent him. And then him being put down by a guy who's 50 pounds lighter than him, uh, is probably, you know, so apparently that was a, a thing, but this is a pretty famous story that you hear about. I didn't really realize it was this early though. Yeah. That's crazy. That it was like the second week in his run. Cause he mm-hmm. returned the week before that. So it was literally the second week he was there, but, uh, yeah, Jericho was trained by the, 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 the grappler that's too hard. So, um, he had that, uh, shooter training, uh, that he got in the dungeon. So, um, yeah, I would say I feel like Jericho's involved in a lot of these, and I never feel like he's the like mm-hmm. he's the deciding factor, or like the um he's like he's not what starts it. Like somebody talks shit. Mm-hmm. Like he has one with Lesnar a few years down the road, which I don't think they got really physical. I think they just kind of pushed each other. But like you know, it was it was clearly because Brock said something to him or about him or something like that. Um, but I can just imagine Hurricane being like Chris Jericho, ah. Uh, Somebody was talking shit about you, and I think that you need to probably go face him for it. So <laughs> I could just imagine him coming in there. And uh, Goldberg was talking about your son. What's up with that? <laughs> he was talking about you no. being shitty. What's up with that? <laughs> but uh, good for Jericho. Yeah, he's not really a guy you think of being involved in these things. But I guess we're around as long as him. Yeah. I guess maybe you're bound to. And he kind of still has a little bit of that old school. Like he still kind of came up in a little bit more of the like one of the last few guys who was still around like 
in our times, like that was kind of brought up maybe with that more old school mentality. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that, that hot Canadian blood. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and it doesn't seem like he intended for it to get physical. He just was, mm-hmm. if, you, if, that, if you have something to say, say it to my face. And, you know, say you it know, to my face. Yeah. <laughs> and Goldberg kind of, you know, was like, I don't have to say anything to you. I don't, I don't have to do, I don't have to do whatever you told me to do. So um, it was definitely Goldberg's fault. And Jericho was definitely in the right. Right, so that's only real news. So I decided to throw a few in again because they're not the most eventful shows. I decided just to get a feel for what's going on. I have a house show rundown for a because they have started doing the um, the different house shows, like they have the SmackDown house shows and the Raw house shows. And so I have a rundown of a recent Raw house show. So these would have been both from the night before this Raw on April thirteenth, and then I also have from the Saturday before this Raw the uh, Ring of Honor card. So just to kind of give us oh, an wow. idea of. What's kicking around? So the Raw show was Goldust defeated Steven Richards. Chris Nowinski defeated Spike Dudley. Maven in the Hurricane defeated Jamal and Rosie. Tess defeated Christian. Uh, RVD and Kane won a three-way to keep the tag titles over the Dudleys and uh, Morley and Storm. Trish Stratus won a three-way to keep the women's title of Victoria Molly Holly. Rico defeated Tommy Dreamer. Good Lord. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> and then the uh, pretty much the uh, the backlash triple threat. So Nash and Shawn Michaels and Booker T versus Flair, Triple H and Chris Jericho. So uh, yeah, pretty it's <laughs> pretty pretty thin there. Uh, Man, Rico, uh, who did Rico face again? Tommy Dreamer oh, in his God. WWE shirt. And yes, fucking and Spike and Chris Nowinski. Jesus Christ, that's just that's horrible. Maven Hurricane's good, but Maven has been shaky too. Maven in there, yeah, they're the bottom of. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a house still show. bopping around. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, we'll see them randomly make an appearance. Uh-huh. So that was from, and that was from Charlottesville, Virginia. So gotcha. shout out to uh, Tim Capel and Scott Shiflett. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and Sean Kitt. <laughs> Sean Kitt, that's true, right? Um, all right, so SmackDown from Montgomery. Oh, and also the Raw show attendance twenty five hundred. That's uh, right. <laughs> SmackDown 2000. We got Sean O'Hare defeating Crash Holly. Oh boy. Nathan Jones defeated Bill DeMott. Matt Hardy won a three-way against Ray Mysterio and Jamie Noble. That sounds like a banger. Oh, yeah. That, that probably was pretty good. Team Angle versus Eddie and Chavo. Another sounds like another pretty good match. Uh, the FBI, Johnny Stamboli and Chuck Palumbo and Nunzio defeated Brian Kendrick, Rikishi, and Tajiri. So, oh, my so God. <laughs> random team. Chris Benoit and Rhino defeated A-Train and Big Show. Nidia defeated Don Marie. Um, wow. And then your WWE title match, Brock Lesnar defeated John Cena. They so. pulled Don Marie out of the cobwebs. <laughs> she yes. hadn't been around since Rumble. I think she hadn't appeared since the stepdaughter, stepmom thing ended. So, crazy. Yes, I think she's been relegated to the uh, the C tier shows. All right, I can't, I, have, can't, uh, I can't imagine how bad Demott Jones was. That sounds horrible. Uh, yeah, uh, bad. All right, so the Ring of Honor show five hundred, which is a sellout for them in Philadelphia. You have the Backseat Boys in, uh, defeated the Hit Squad. Dixie and Jay Lethal won a three way over H H C Loke and Tony DeVito and Dunn and Marcos. The tag titles, how's this one for you? Uh, Amazing Red and AJ Styles defeated Mark and Jay Briscoe. Wow. Um, CM Punk was in a no contest with BJ Whitmer. Homicide defeated Christopher Daniels. 
Alex uh, Alexis Larie. I'm not familiar with who this is, but that is Mickey Ariel. James, actually, oh, I never knew she went by that. Yeah, that's a, that's a real name. I think. I think that's her shoot, shoot name. Guess I'll look stupid now. Uh, the Ring of Honor <laughs> title, Samoa Joe, <laughs> defeated a- Hot Stuff Hernandez. Joe retained their ROH title in a four-way over um, Matt Striker, Reckless Youth, and Colt Cabana. And then we had a two out of three falls with uh, Paul London defeating Brian Danielson. Um, yeah, and then Dusty Rhodes and Homicide and J-Train and Louis Ramos and Iceberg defeated Jack Victory, C.W. Oh Anderson, David Young, and Tank. <laughs> So, what a uh, what a conglomeration there! <laughs> and no, it's not that Matt Striker. It's a different Matt Striker. This is Matt Striker with a Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not the teacher boner guy that will be in ECW, <laughs> uh, WWE eventually. So, um, but yeah, not a not a bad card. Um, probably not one of their best, but uh, sounded like some solid matches would be in there. Yeah, it sounds like the big hitters. Like I think it said that this. Uh, London Danielson matches like 40 minutes or something. So oh, very that was a banger for sure. Yeah. Very early 2000. So just kind of a um, little state of each promotion, what they got going on. So, um, but with that, we will go into our shows. So we'll start with raw, of course, which is going to be April 14th. Oh, three raw live from Richmond. So um, again, we are in Virginia and we start off with big Kev. He comes out to the ring um, he says he's glad, but not so glad he's back. And he calls HBK and Triple H idiots for uh, feuding with each other. I don't know how you felt, but the one my big takeaway from it, like I did not like him yelling. It felt very out of character yes. and like off-putting, like for him to be yelling this whole promo. It seemed like everything he's not. Like it was very like '80s screaming everything in the ring, which just does not seem like his personality at all. Yeah, he's super laid back and, you know, is always so cool about everything. So, yeah, him, like, just getting super angry and yelling at everything. Especially, it got real weird when uh, both of them are out there eventually. Uh, he starts to kind of yell at him to stop uh, arguing with each other. So it was seemed real unnatural for him. So um, not, not, the best, not the best comeback promo for him here. Right, and it's there's no like up and down to it. He's just yelling everything. There's no like he gets quiet and then yells to emphasize his points. He's just yelling about how you know they were all best friends and they should all be, you know, pretty much saying like they should still be the click. And so Triple H comes out, he interrupts him, and this is when we find out there's going to be a six man tag at Backlash with Booker T, Shawn Michaels, and Kevin Nash versus Flair, Jericho, and Triple H. Um, but when he Triple H gets to the ring, they actually hug it out for a moment. Uh, Triple H has a horrible baggy suit on; looks mm-hmm. not great. He does not look like uh, he's limousine riding in this one with that baggy <laughs> uh, those baggy slacks. But he says things will never be over between him and HBK. HBK has always like tried to overshadow and steal his spot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Kind of just going back to their feud from the summer. Um, HBK shows up at this point with his backwards cap and gets in Hunter's face immediately. Sean agrees that they will never, never bury it. They start drawing each other. I think maybe this is the point you're talking about, Logan. He goes, hey, 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 stop it. Like, <laughs> which is very awkward. Again, he's his whole thing. Like, if you think even like, you know, from Big Sexy and WCW and even like later Kevin Nash, like he was never, I don't know. He's never a guy who's like yelling everything. It just makes him seem kind of lame. 
like when he's supposed to be cool and he usually is cool but uh triple h says you can't trust sean he'll steal your spot again going back to that he gives nash the chance to join him and run everything so he gets in like the darth vader speech like join me and we could rule the empire whatever like rule the galaxy (laughs) he says the most um but i thought the best thing of this i didn't think this was a, a great segment by any stretch um but i did think that triple h had a good point before he left and he said that the most sex most successful each one of them has been is when they separated from sean so i thought that at least was like a salient point as opposed to kind of the more generic stuff but yeah i don't know what you think of this there's obviously like the history here but like this did not immediately feel like fresh or interesting to me even with all these guys in their history. Like, and I, as I've said, I did not like Nash yelling everything. It took me out of it. And I was not, yeah, it made me question his return here. Yeah. I, yeah. It wasn't one of Nash's best. I did like the, like you said, I like the point that triple H made that, you know, once, once they both left Sean, they were better off. They were champions. They were on top of the world. Um, but yeah, not the best. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't really enjoy yelly Nash. Nash is bad as best when he's cool, calm, and collected. Uh, nothing bothers him in the whole world. Um, he just he's just gonna be as cool as a cat, but he's gonna kick your ass when he gets you in the ring. So felt very unnatural for him. Um, I thought Sean had a major lame dad energy with the backwards hat and the like <laughs> awful yes. haircut that he still has. Um, I, I can't believe that like balding and like just nappy ass hair sean looks better uh in like 2010 than he does here he looks like <laughs> such a like uh middle-aged lesbian with his hairdo um it's it's weird but yeah he had a real real big uh like dad dad energy in a midlife crisis with the backwards hat uh trying to look cool so but yeah just not a good segment all around um, like you said, Triple H looks like a goof with his big old baggy suit on. I hope uh, Stephanie's not the one that dresses him in this is, in this era. I hope he's uh, extra stupid enough to get these on his own. So I think he looks cool. Um, but yeah, not the best segment. And, and it seems like the emphasis is like we're rehashing the Sean and Triple H stuff, and and then Nash is just kind of there as like a third wheel. I don't know. It just it came off as more just like a rehashing stuff than anything real interesting to make his return pop. So yeah, not the greatest start for, I don't know if this is the best way to bring him in. I get where they're going. They want to align him with triple H and feud there, but yeah, I didn't love this opening segment. Yeah. And it almost makes it feel like it's more of a Sean triple H feud than it. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously it'll get more personal as, as we go and as you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, it more seems like they're trying to like just make it about Sean and Triple H when Nash is just kind of fighting Sean's battles a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's not wasn't the best segment. And I don't want to I don't want to cut you off from going forward. But we mm-hmm. mentioned it in our pre pod talks. But during the uh, intro to this show, they do the song. It's oh right, right. And everything. Um, Austin has left us recently because he got fired by Bischoff. So during the you know the. Uh, I forget the name of the song, but the across the nation, mm-hmm. uh, the theme song to Raw in this era, they do a video uh, kind of going back and forth from the bands performing the song to videos of the superstars just doing their poses and stuff. It actually gets to a point where Stone Cold is shown, but he has a big red X over him. I don't know why I noticed that, but it was just something I noticed, <laughs> and I wanted to go ahead and talk about it before uh, we got too far right. into it and forgot about it. So just wanted to mention that. Thank you. Yeah, it is. I'm kind of surprised that they would even have that much like attention to detail to remember to put that in. 
Yeah, especially since they're not going to change the tag titles and the graphics for their matches. So, I mean, they <laughs> right. go through, the, they go through the, the trouble of putting the big red X and they don't uh, change that. So, who knows? That's where they're, that's where they're, uh, that's where the ideas are at. So, but yeah, I just want to mention that. All right. There's also some ideas in Test Back as we head backstage and oh, uh, Stacy finds some, uh, a Playboy. Um, and I don't know if Tess is reading the articles here. And she also finds some lotion, um, some tissues, uh, definitely implying that Tess has been beating off. Uh, not sure why he has to keep all that in his bag. Like, he's got to have it at a moment's <laughs> notice. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think King refers to them as moist disposable wipes uh, eventually oh. uh, during the match. So, yeah, but uh, Tess has his uh, masturbation kit ready in his bag at any, any notice when he gets uh, a little horny, I guess. And then, and a uh, typical test, but he comes and goes, Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stick it in my bag. Stacy, why do you not trust me? You stupid bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Classic test. And so, uh, off of that, uh, they have that little thing, but he has to go straight into his match. Cause he's going to be facing Chris Jericho tonight. Um, Coach, who is, of course, here because he's still replacing JR, guesses that Tess isn't getting laid right now. Maybe that's the reason he's got to beat off so much. Uh, nice, uh, <laughs> nice spot from Jericho as they start this off. He skins the cat and then uh, walks right into the press slam. So that was a nice little um, subversion of that whole sequence. Jericho works over Tess while Stacy signs autographs. So really, the match is sort of a backdrop to the Stacy stuff because she she's like alternating for like, uh, signing autographs, and we'll see what she does in a second, to, like, staring Tess down, like, with a death stare. So, like, he's in the bow and arrow while Stacy's just kind of staring at him. Tess gets going with a tilt-a-whirl slam and a full Nelson slam, and uh, he, but he gets distracted because then Stacy just straight up starts showing the crowd her ass, like, pulling up her skirt for the crowd. Um, he gets a pump handle slam, but Jericho uh, has his foot on the rope to survive, and, uh, Kind of classic Jericho spot that he pulls out in most matches where he gets more than a couple minutes. Tess gets distracted again by Stacy flashing her butt, and then Jericho wins with a uh, bulldog. But yeah, I mean the match was okay. I thought Jericho was good, kind of bumping around for Tess. Tess is always good for a couple good power moves when he's got somebody to go with him. I went two on the match, but obviously the match was um, it was just a backdrop for the uh, the Stacy Tess drama. Oh yeah, definitely. I went two as well. Um, my first note is I, I hope Tess is a righty or his uh, masturbation kit may go to waste um, <laughs> because uh, Jericho works his uh, left shoulder pretty pretty hard at the beginning of the match. So, um, But like you said, Tess's power offense is pretty stiff and effective, um, but he's just ruined himself as a character and as a wrestler over the last month for being so stupid and such a goober in these backstage segments with Stacey and Goldust. Um, I feel like that was a way to make him seem like he's good at comedy, but he just comes off as such a loser in him uh, all the time. Um, like you said, Stacy in the middle of the match just starts flashing her ass. Um, obviously, it leads to the bulldog and line salt that Jericho hits to um, win the match. Uh, and that <laughs> test beats the crap out of the guy that uh, Stacy gave the autograph to after the match. So that was a pretty good mm-hmm. showing of fire. But yeah, like I said, test at this point has just been ruined for me but I, I think he's okay in the ring i think he if he was presented a little better maybe he didn't talk as much maybe he didn't <laughs> uh mm-hmm. i didn't ha- have to rely on him for these backstage segments as much i think he'd be better off but um yeah he's he's pretty he's pretty uh bad at this point and uh doesn't get much better so yeah i don't really get what the like i don't get the end game here i don't really know what they're trying to get to with this mm-hmm. and he's like a weird choice to make like this you know 
like heel who's like <laughs> having arguments with his girlfriend because he's supposed to be like this big hoss badass, mm-hmm. but then he comes off like a dork. Like I don't know if this mm-hmm. is gonna. Like, I don't know where it goes either. And then Tori's now on the show. I mean, they're just using it as kind of a an excuse to mention the Playboy for the 50,000th time, if you haven't I mean, that's heard really, buddy. That is really all it is, deep down. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, so they made Tessa Dork for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, can't say I'm, um, you know, waiting week to week to see what's going to happen with this. I mean, right. Oh, come on. All right. It's the best <laughs> every every time. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun to make fun of him for being an idiot, but oh, oh there's more. So we'll, we'll get we'll get to. It. <laughs> right, all right. Erica vows to do the best for Stone Cold's fans. Uh, we head back to Test and Stacy, and he says uh, he's trying to apologize to Stacy for the whole thing, but of course he puts his uh, his foot in his mouth here. He says. Uh, so he opens up the Playboy to show the Tory spread. And he says, I mean, so look, I mean, she's got big boobs, but uh, you got better legs. And then, uh, but you know, her, you have a prettier face, but I mean, your boobs really are big. I mean, they're really big. And then so he almost <laughs> sounds like he's about to start whacking it right here. So, of course, Stacy gets upset and sort of storms off with him. And he's like, uh, you know, he gets upset again. So old Tess can't get out of his own way. Yeah, Um Bischoff in that little, I don't know where he was. He was in front of like a garage door with like this <laughs> ominous red light. It was creepy as hell. And he was doing that weird, uh, creepy smile that he does. So I was uh, yeah. definitely kind of uh, 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 spooked out by Bischoff there. So really, really weird, real judgment day feel um, mm-hmm. in, in that backstage little area that he had. Um, but yeah, Tess basically compares Stacy to Tori starts to kind of win her back like oh man look at her legs her legs don't compare to your look at your face you're so much more beautiful in the face that she is and then he gets to the boobs and he's like her she has nice cans and you uh and then he kind of stops and she he doesn't say anything quick enough so she's like fuck you and walks away so um the boobies of T- Tori uh, have a uh, test one over and uh it just ruins his little conversation with Stacy because he was starting to win her back but um, he oogles the the boobies a little too long. Right. Yeah, I think they, the Bischoff thing, it was almost like the little freeze frame they do at the beginning of the show, like <laughs> the little like almost like presented by Bischoff, his little freeze frame thing. But it's weird, like you said, because it looks like that, but then he starts moving. So it's like the, the still <laughs> image just come to life. But but yeah, he was in like a, in front of like a giant garage door or something like that with this like red hue. And it was just it looked kind of creepy. Very odd. All right, we'll go to our um, obligatory women's match of the week. It's going to be a tag. Uh, Trish is teaming with Ivory, who's shown up randomly to face Victoria <laughs> and Jazz. Uh, yes, um, Teddy's on commentary here as he's with uh, Jazz pleading her case, uh, saying that the ref last week was haterizing, which he was like <laughs> multiple times uh, haterizing throughout this. Uh, Trish is aggressive in this. She's throwing throws a Thez press, does a little bit more strike based offense than more. That uh, typical uh, jazz comes in to stretch a little bit. T- Teddy rags on the king being from, uh, he says, where are you from? Whiteville, Whitehaven, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> so kind of ragging on king. Uh, the match is, it's a little janky, like not the smoothest execution of the moves, but I thought they had good energy and fire in this. The faces worked their comeback. Trish comes in with some chops. Teddy questions coach about how he had to wait for JR to quit for him to get a job. So like that he had to wait for the white man to quit to get a spot. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, um, to finish the match, t- Trish taps pretty clean to the STF from Jazz. So I was kind of shocked to see her lose, like, because there's really nothing nefarious or anything. I mean, she just kind of lost to Jazz, like, straight up, 
which I was sort of surprised to see in this. But I went two and a quarter. I thought the energy was there, if maybe not the smoothest match you're going to see. Yeah, I went two on this one as well. Um, both heels were out with managers. I said, is this the uh, 1980 uh, Survivor Series? Uh, I feel like this was an 80 Survivor Series team with uh, all the heel managers. So um, definitely definitely not common in this area to have uh, multiple people with managers out in the same match. But um, like you said, Teddy joins commentary, talks about haterizing pretty much the whole match, says it about 20 times uh, throughout, <laughs> throughout the commentary. Um, yeah, he talks ES where Lawler's from, um, and then – Lawler talks about uh, being friends with the uh, mayor of Memphis at the time, who was an African-American fellow. And he tried to, tries to win Teddy's favor by saying, oh, yeah, we're big buddies. We're big buddies, you know, uh, just talking about it over and over again. But, um, yeah, the, the match was another solid women's match, real, real stiff, uh, kind of like the match was last week. Um, Trish showed some fire, showed some uh, aggressiveness, like you said. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed uh, these these women's matches that we've seen uh, coming out of Mania, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing uh, Trish and Jazz getting a little more time because I think they face each other at Backlash. So looking forward to that one-on-one match again. Were you surprised that they let Trish eat the eat the loss, given they could have just like fed Ivory to to Jazz there? <laughs> I mean, I think it was to set up a, a, a kind mm-hmm. of a rematch and her to get a little bit of revenge for the. Uh, janky way that the last uh, match ended and she she did uh take advantage of the leg i, th- I think trish at some point hurt her leg in the match so mm. um she really pounced on it and attacked it and really went after it so i i, I didn't hate it uh it is kind of weird i feel like in that situation a lot of times they would feed the other person to them but um i think it was to get back um a little heat from the previous week gotcha you didn't hate her eyes on it i did not hate her eyes it so i uh I'm a fan. <laughs> Got it. All right, we head backstage. Uh, production assistant tells Mr. Goldberg, which cracked me up, that a relative wants to speak with him, and it's Gold Dust, which is a funny turn that he's, they're relatives because they will have gold in their name. He welcomes <laughs> him and offers him a gold wig. Goldberg is actually a pretty good sport about it as Gold Dust puts it on him. Goldberg politely declines and uh, tells him, don't put it on my head again. Um. And then Goldberg kind of just walks off and then Goldust says, Oh God, I soiled my pants. I guess out of excitement <laughs> for Goldberg. And so like, I get it. Goldust is like, he's funny in these things, but to me, this is like, I did not like this at all. Like, this is not it for Goldberg. This is not how you build Goldberg up like on his return and make him trying to recapture like, peak wcw goldberg this is not the spot you put him in like he's not the rock like he doesn't need to be in a silly like the silly backstage segment he's not a comedy guy it's not gonna accomplish anything it kind of takes away i think from his like his gravity i don't know i did not like this at all i don't know what they're trying to accomplish but this is not the way you present goldberg yeah, the, he has a he has a segment later that, that that's how they need to present him, and this is definitely not how they how it needs to be done. Um, Goldust has his place; uh, he probably deserves TV time uh, every week for these comedy segments because they are very good and very funny, and he's very good in them. Um, but yeah, this this is fairly infamous. Uh, this is what a lot of people draw back to in this uh, mm-hmm. this era that the whole wig thing and him wearing the wig. Um, this is where they really pinpoint the like starting of ruining Goldberg in this run. Um, so, I mean, it, it, you know, it says third week, so that's pretty 
pretty significant that it's that early. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, this one's this one's very infamous. Uh, a lot of people uh, would would point this one out uh, as like a starting of how how poorly they book him throughout this run. So, um, hopefully, it hopefully watching back through it, it'll it'll seem better than it was at the time. But um, this is definitely not a good start. Yeah, it, this was rough. I mean, I would agree. If that, that's the reputation I think it's earned because I just don't get it. I don't know what you're – I just don't know what you're going to get out of this. You're trying to build him for this, like, dream match with The Rock. I like, he's not funny. He doesn't even say anything funny in this. It's just – I don't understand the point. Like, this – Goldust could have done this with literally anybody because you just want to hear Goldust go, oh, God, I sold my pants. Like, he – yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and on top of the you know, news that people that would have read uh, Meltzer's stuff back then, like that would have made him seem like even more of a dick. Like he was polite in turning down the thing, but he, he would you you would have think you would have thought that like it carried over, and he was actually an asshole uh, watching that segment. So he doesn't come off as super likable. Right. We don't need to like try and whatever humanize Goldberg. His whole aura is supposed to be that he's like this. He just needs to kick ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't. Yeah. Anyway, bad. All right. Eric Bischoff comes out to Austin's music again. Not as much of a tease this time. And he talks about how he wants them to remember the great Stone Cold. So he has a box to offer uh, a special Stone Cold commemorative box. You can get an alcohol fueled shirt, a bulletproof shirt, uh, especially on a shop zone. Uh, I, I dug that this was like a legit offer, not just a joke. Like he, they show the shop zone website and you yeah. can buy it for thirty nine ninety nine. And I, I liked this whole infomercial tone of this. So as far as like a way to hawk merchandise, I thought this was a pretty creative way actually to, to weave it into the storyline and, um, mm-hmm. not the worst deal in the world. I guess this is in 2003 dollars. So yeah, but, yeah, you get two shirts mm-hmm. and a program. That was, uh, I, I, I probably would have been all over that for sure. But, um, yeah, they probably should have uh, probably should have stole Don West away from TNA for just a week uh, to come. In. <laughs> I think he probably would have been a little bit better salesman than uh, Mr. Bischoff here. <laughs> oh my God! Now you now I'm imagining like a dream like alternate universe where they bring in Don as like the modern day like uh, like selling the shirts like uh, Barry uh, what's his name Barry Dudinsky or whatever. Barry Dudinsky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Um, you right, won't all right. believe this deal. <laughs> Alcohol fueled. All right, uh, Booker T comes to uh, to cut him off though, and uh, shorten pretty straight to the point. He wants a WrestleMania rematch tonight for the strap, and uh, Bischoff does not give him a definitive answer. So we'll see how that plays out in a moment. Um, and we will move forward to our uh, tag team title match. Uh, hey, guess what? It's going to be Kane and Booker T versus uh, not Kane and Booker T, Kane and RVD. <laughs> Sorry, I had Booker on the brain. And RVD versus, you guessed it, Morley and Storm again. Wow, really fresh matchup. Uh, we, <laughs> which is, um, we should note that this is no DQ. We'll see how much that plays into it. Uh, Storm tries to hammer RVD, but stop, um, RVD stops that pretty quickly. Kane gets in, lays in the Storm 2, continues when Morley gets in, landing the Kane uppercuts. Nice teamwork um, by the champs here. Kane setting RVD up for the leg drop. I thought it was a pretty cool spot. Killer, uh, I love that leg uh like a leg lock roll up that rob does at one oh, point yeah. just mm-hmm. uh, man super cool uh pretty quick and basic stuff from morley and storm when they actually do get a chance to get on offense really nothing of too much of note just generic heel beat down offense storm finally uses the no dq about like 
I don't know, 10 minutes into this match, he used the trash can uh, as Rob goes off the rope. Kane is pissed, but so he goes to get the steps with Storm nails him with the trash can and hits the steps into him. And that is pretty much the extent of like the hardcore sequence, like the no DQ here, except the ending, which we'll get to. But we reset after the break. Again, weird to just have that one hardcore sequence. Like, like if that's it, like why would they just, especially because it's such a heated feud too. Like, Morley and Starr have been trying to fuck them over so badly. You would think it would be more, they would maybe turn, it would maybe change it up a little bit to kind of have it be more of a hardcore brawl, but they, yeah. Um, <laughs> Kane hits his uh, awkward top rope clothesline where he does like the weird rubber band motion, but he's like so big and doesn't get a lot of elevation. Uh, Morley escapes and Kane tosses Storm onto him. Rob does a somersault to the outside. So that's a pretty nice sequence. And then to cut this whole thing off, the Dudleys run in. They hit a bubble bomb on RVD. Devon's not happy about it. They kind of scrap. He goes at Morley, and the chatting uh, gives Rob enough of a chance to uh, hit the throw, the chair at Morley, and kick it into his face. And then he hits the coast to coast. Of course, the uh, the Van Daminator, Van Terminator, uh, with the chair hits both of them, and the champs end up retaining that way. So. Uh, I don't know. What did you think of the slogan? I'm kind of over it. I love. I really like the team of Kane and RVD, but I'm so over the the Morley and Storm and the Morley administration stuff. Yeah, they definitely need a better team to uh, to deal with at this point. Um, I thought it started somewhat hot um, with the champs kind of knocking both challengers to the outside pretty quick. Um, I did not know that it was no DQ. I did not hear that before right. uh, the match. So Storm using the trash can was like, what the hell? <laughs> so um, I totally missed that. But um, uh, I, I don't know that this is a match that deserves to be long enough to have a commercial interruption. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm being too critical on it for that. But um, before the like before Kane and RVD kind of take over towards the middle endish part of the match. This was painfully average. It was there was not much to it. Um, like you said, they don't use other than a couple of trash can shots. They don't really use the uh, the no DQ step until the end, obviously. Um, and then like the part that's exciting uh, gets cut off by Bubba coming out and trying to trying to do the bidding of the uh, of the administration. Um, and the Devon's kind of not having it um, and kind of uh, stops him from doing anything further. Um, and like you said, the miscommunication lead, leads to the um, sick Van Daminator and then the equally as awesome uh, Van Terminator for the win. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was fine. Uh, but like I said, it was very, very, very average. Um, so I, I went two and a quarter uh, just because I think it was a little bit better and had a little bit more to it than the previous two matches. But it was uh, not m- that much better at the same time. Yep, painfully average. Yep, I went two and a half. And honestly, I think it's almost, it's carried by RVD and Kane just because RVD is always fun to watch. Kane hits his spots really good in this, but like mm-hmm. Morley and Storm are like so boring. They have no real personality to them. Like there's no real cohesive way that they work together. I mean, they're both fine wrestlers in their own right, but like mm-hmm. this team is not really doing much. And it just all seems so lazy the way it's put together. Like obviously just threw the no DQ in so the Dudleys could do the run in at the end. Like, it's just all, it's, you know what I mean? It's just not thought, like, I'll make it no DQ and we'll throw a trash can in there so we can say that's why it's no DQ. Like, it just, I don't know. It just seems really, like, 
uninspired. Like they're just throwing these guys out there because they don't know what else to do with them. But you know, two and a half mainly because RV and Kane are fun, but they desperately, desperately need to move on from this to something, anything else. I don't care about the Dudleys, like them being mad at each other and not wanting to do this or whatever. It's just, and I'm with you. It was, it was too long. Like rarely do matches get two segments on raw and that this is what you do. And yeah. Yeah, I, but, I mean, mm-hmm. like, I, I want them to face other teams, but, like, it's really the Dudleys. Like, that's that's all they got on, as mm-hmm. far as uh, teams that they can face. I mean, they could throw three-minute warning out there, but that's almost worse at this point, I feel like. Yeah. But um, that's the only other real team that's probably still in the roster. So, um, yeah, you want to see something different here, but I, I think it's – I think that becomes a real, real bad part of uh, Raw's uh, problems uh, for the coming years is – they always have a team that's the champions, but they don't really have anybody else to kind of face them except two singles guys that they just happen to throw together. So it's probably still – it's really still a problem today. Um, <laughs> I feel like they haven't really fixed it uh, very – I mean, they ha- they've had a few teams um, that have really emerged and uh, been, you know, are, are really all-time great teams. Um, but I, I feel like uh, outside of a few of those, it's just – it's a lot of conglomerations of people that they just kind of throw together uh, for the sake of being champs. <laughs> yeah. It's just rough to try and put together like a two hour show with no tag division. Cause it's like a good tag match is a good way. A SmackDown utilizes quite a bit. It's a good way to just like fill some time and make it entertaining when you have to fill like a, you know, a two hour TV show. Yeah. Right. All right, we had to do a Triple H. He is not happy with Eric that he's even considering giving Booker T another shot. And this is when Hurricane runs in uh, and explains how Booker T deserved the spot because uh, all the reasons, because uh, I don't even remember what he said, honestly, <laughs> whatever, because he's beaten Triple H. He's pinned Triple H so many times or whatever. Triple H weighs him off, asks why he even gives a shit about whether Booker T gets a title shot. Hurricane says it's because he stands for truth and justice. They uh, debate the different options of how this could go down. And finally, Eric decides that it's going to be Hurricane and Booker T versus Flair and Triple H tonight. And if uh, Booker T and Hurricane win, Booker T will get his rematch. Triple H is pleased with that result. Flair does some quick, like, 10 seconds of Flair wooing. And then Hurricane, uh, that he's jet flying, just so Hurricane can say, some people don't need jets to fly. And then he pretends does like he's whoosh. an airplane. <laughs> yes, does the whoosh. So setting up our uh, main event for tonight. Uh, was that uh, Shane Helms or Ricky Starks in this uh this segment because um, uh, <laughs> I came to the realization and I think I've noticed this before, but they sound just alike. Uh, so their voices are almost uh, exactly compatible. So, um, but yeah, hurricane was good in this. He was funny. Um, and triple H is the nonchalant, like, Oh yeah, I can beat you. I don't have to worry about you. So, um, but I thought hurricane held his own. So not a bad segment for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a weird deal like having this going on while triple h is doing the whole you know family feud with the click kind of thing yeah. <laughs> like meanwhile booker t is like trying to get his rematch it's it's just kind of odd like he's got both things going on but mm-hmm. yeah i mean it is it gives us a match later i guess yes yeah, um but elliot sadler's in the house uh logan <laughs> big hey, big deal hey, here hey it ain't Hermie, so i i don't i don't really care i'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, yeah, TNA had the one Sadler brother, and uh, WWE was able to get the other one. So uh, the Sadlers right. are running the wrestling world at this point. So right. we want Hermie. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Uh, 
All right, then we go to our um, got to get our Iraq War stuff in here. So we have APA are visiting the soldiers so random, like like the APA who aren't even like a thing anymore, but they just kind of I guess they put them together for this uh, to visit the soldiers who have been wounded and stuff. Bradshaw, this cracked me up is Bradshaw calling. They like are laying a wreath on a like fallen soldier's tomb or something. He calls went to this fascinating deal. That's what he called it. <laughs> Some uh, fascinating deal where they lay the wreath on. They go to the Pentagon. Like, just what a weird time. <laughs> this. Like, you get the APA visiting the Pentagon. What the yeah. fuck are we doing? Did, did Farouk in those glasses not look like 80 years older than he actually <laughs> is? I feel like I feel like Ron Simmons looked like way older than he is at this point in his career uh, in this segment. And, yeah, they're not even involved. Um, I'm not even sure they're on the same show. I think right. I think technically Bradshaw's on Raw. And I think Farouk is on SmackDown, so maybe that was one of those uh, trades that happened in the background that we didn't hear about. So, um, right. I don't think I've seen either one of them since like 2002. At this point, I can't remember the last time either one of them was on TV. Farouk was definitely on SmackDown because they were trying to make him and right. like somebody else a team. I can't mm-hmm. remember who it was, but right. I want to say Bradshaw's hurt, so maybe their plan is to kind of put them back together whenever uh, Bradshaw's healthy. Right. So the soldiers got to meet the API. Yeah. So, <laughs> what, a, what a great day in American history. <laughs> APA at the Pentagon playing poker. All right. Rock is here via satellite. He thanks the friends from uh, West Virginia, which is a great, like, like low key dig, like not knowing what Virginia he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he's very sorry he couldn't be there, but he had to get a new guitar. And he tells us that next week he's going to debut it for the rock concert part two. Um, he says he isn't facing Goldberg because he's a nobody. He's done nothing. He's not scared. But then he just pivots and then says that he is going to face Goldberg at Backlash because, I don't know, he's going to whip his monkey ass and he says he's not worried about Whisker Biscuit. I am. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, mocks the Goldberg uh, tongue stuff. Just pretty straight up rock stuff here. Nothing, not you know, anything too memorable, but I like the West Virginia line. And it's just like him setting up the match. They... Um, insinuate like coaches asking him like were you just scared of Goldberg that's why he didn't show up and he denies it and that sort of thing yeah yeah he's he basically accepts a challenge to prove that he's not afraid of him um that's really what it comes down to but um the new guitar that he bought uh, apparently Elvis has eaten pie off it uh at some point in in life uh he mentions that he says Elvis uh, ate pie off of the uh, guitar so i don't know if he means actual pie or the uh, other implication of pie that he talks about uh in previous times but um and yes this is the debut of him calling goldberg uh, whisker biscuit so um not a not a bad little segment but uh it probably could have been left off the show and not really not really uh been too too much of a big deal but it obviously just is an acceptance of the challenge pretty much yeah, not the hottest build for what's supposed to be like a match between like two legends, like this dream match. We have Rock just saying, I'm not going to do it. Then he says he will. He's via satellite. Like they haven't tried to build this as like any like this big monumental like Clash of the Titans. Like to me, like it should be like it should be this huge, like monumentous thing that you have Goldberg facing the Rock like. Who would have thought like a few years ago that you would ever see this? And it's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like they're just throwing out there like, oh, here's Goldberg. You remember him from WCW? I mean, the best thing they've done to build Goldberg is the video packages of him in WCW, honestly. Like, I don't know. It's it it's a very lackluster build to me, 
considering what it should be and the names involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've shown that those vignettes about a thousand times, and that's better than anything they've actually done on screen so far, other than maybe him uh, ripping Christian in half uh, with the with the uh, spear from one of the previous weeks. And he spears the rock uh, the first week he comes out too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it. I, I mean, maybe it's just part of uh, Rock's character, and that's what they're trying to get at. Uh, mm-hmm. that he's kind of nonchalant, and he's more Hollywood at this point. But it almost seems like The Rock doesn't really care and doesn't really w- want to worry about putting this new guy over. So right. it's just another thing on top of like you know the whole Goldberg being a failure in this in this run kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem like they're real into it going in. They just know he's a name and know he's somebody that mm-hmm. the fans wanted to see. Right, like you don't get the like when him and Austin were feuding for Mania. Like he doesn't put over like like you with Austin. You would say like we've had these monumentous battles. Like he doesn't do. And the thing is, like Rock can do it so easily. He could easily be saying like Goldberg, you're undefeated. Like you know where he kind of puts them over and then shits on him. But it's he's not doing that here. He doesn't really do any of the mm-hmm. like he's so good at doing that. And it's just it's not happening with this for whatever reason. Like, he's just kind of leaving that off and just kind of mocking him. Like, he's not putting over the gravity of it. They haven't done anything mm-hmm. to put that over. It, it, absolutely, yeah. But what they have done is uh, relied on Christian, who's kind of Rock's proxy here. Uh, Christian tells Rock on the phone he's not, he's going to take out Goldust. He calls the random crew members in the backstage to paparazzi, uh, so he's very delusional. And uh, he says that Richmond has the nastiest pie ever. So, <laughs> shout out to Tim Capel. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. I, um, as soon as this one was from Richmond, I immediately thought of Tim. So, but yeah, uh, the, the the lock is starting to emerge as uh, <laughs> Christian's new <laughs> character. So, um, we'll see. Right. So he's going to go after Goldust uh, in the uh, the Raw Dead Zone match that you get at about halfway through the second hour of Raw here. But it ends up not even really being a match because Christian gets DQ'd in about twelve seconds for low blowing Goldust. Hits him in the back um, with a chair. He then says, well, Rock told him to seize the moment and tells Rock that he's owning the room. Uh, big stand energy here. Uh, <laughs> he calls Goldberg out, tells him to take off his bra and panties and face him. Here's Goldberg, who, as you said, Logan, just spears the absolute shit out of him. Mm. Like, <laughs> um, really Rinse awesome. Half. Right. Which was awesome, but it's still to me, like... I don't know. Like, this is how we build this dream match between Rock and Goldberg. Like, again, awesome spear, but like using Christian as the Rock's proxy. Like, to me, this is not building up to like this. You know, they're not making this like a Hogan Rock thing or something. Like, they're not making like two icons going at it. It's just like Rock and a feud with some dude. Yeah, I mean, this could using Christian as the proxy is probably not your best option. Uh, you could have chosen somebody a little bit better. Christian just looks so bad in this era. His hair, that stupid green fucking singlet that he wears. <laughs> God, it's so bad. Um, but yeah, he uh, Goldberg just rips him in half with the spear. Um, it's one of the best that he ever does. Um, it, it, it's reminiscent of the one that he does on Ziggler at whatever SummerSlam that was that they had their match. Uh, he hits one on him in that, in that SummerSlam match, and yeah, it's real reminiscent of the one he hits here. Um, and he actually finally hits the jackhammer too. So, um, he puts him up for that and slams him in the mat. So, um, it makes him look good. Like he's a badass, but it would have been cooler to see him do it. Get somebody that's a little bit higher up the cart than Christian, but, um, right. you know, it, it makes him seem like a badass. So I guess they pull that off at least. 
For sure. It's better than him doing like a comedy thing with Goldust. Like, you need more of this, like Goldberg. We need more sparklers and him spearing the shit out of people. That's how you... That's Goldberg. That's what we need from Goldberg. Not, yeah, I didn't like that he didn't come out hmm. to the music when he first came out, too. He just kind of runs out. He didn't come out to the sparklers and all that. They play the music when he leaves, but uh, he just kind of runs out, which is not Goldberg at all. He, that's not his energy. Right. It's like... It's like if you had Ultimate Warrior without the entrance music or, you know, like I feel like Goldberg is a similar kind of energy to an Ultimate Warrior where it's so much about the presentation, the charisma. And like to me, he hasn't they haven't presented him that way at all. Like they haven't even attempted to capture that. Like he's, yeah, I don't know. All right. Speaking of bummers, let's go to uh, a debate (laughs) that no one asked for. We're going to get the Scott Steiner, Chris Nowinski debate the topic is going to be operation iraqi freedom um and i was just thinking there's no way that this is going to go well um Nowinski gets the mic first he asserts that america is bullying the smaller nations so what do we do do we overthrow every country or just the ones with oil he has the right to speak his mind because this is the this is um america we have freedom of speech um we should be trying diplomacy etc etc then we get big pop a pump grabs the mic and says um, I've been to a lot of countries throughout the world. America's the greatest country. It's the land of the free, including your opinions. But just like opinions are like assholes and everybody's got one. Like just, I, he's like, he couldn't breathe. Though. <laughs> it's like, he's just like, <laughs> like no periods. Um, he then gives his summation of the war. He says the terrorists started this and Iraq supports terrorists. It's been proven we're gonna fix. Uh, we're gonna finish it. Uh, they started. They drew first blood, and we're gonna finish it because America, um, not like the Dixie Chicks, of course, from this time. The Dixie Chicks made their anti-war comments, and then he says, "If you don't support the troops, you can go to hell or go to France." So, uh, poor France. Chris, Chris then says, uh, Nowitzki says that it's been about three minutes and we get the random return of three minute warning. They come in, uh, Steiner goes at them for a minute, but they kind of overwhelm them with the numbers and, uh, Nowitzki jumps them too. And they leave Steiner laying. He does the push ups to mock him. And, uh, I do not need this in my life. Logan. This is not, I didn't need a debate about the Iraq war on Monday night. Raw. Um, between these two guys (laughs) right like I don't need Scott Steiner telling me his opinions on the Iraq war I don't and the thing is like weird because they don't even it's not like Nowinski goes full heel where he's like it's not like he comes in he's like fuck the troops or something he's just saying like I think we should handle this a different way like if I I feel like if you're going to do it and I guess at the time maybe this was super heel of him I don't know I was like 12 but you know what I mean? Like, they don't even make him super heel to me. Like, to me, like, because he says, like, if you don't support the troops, I don't even think Nowinski really even says anything about the troops and his little his little point. So that's weird. The whole thing is just like, I don't need this. There's, they're just so, they just feel the need to put this into these shows. Like, and I guess think that this is going to get them, you know, support of people. I don't know, but I, I didn't need this. Uh, they they did well picking some southern states to do these kind of segments in. <laughs> maybe they'll be more anti um, Nowinski's point of view or something like that. So um, if they had gone you know up north somewhere like you know Connecticut or New York or something like that, uh, Nowinski may have even gotten cheered. So, um, but uh, yeah, this is 
this is the most 2003 segment uh, ever. <laughs> Just in the fact that it involves three minute warning, it involves Nowinski. Uh, it's about this uh, this time period and this uh, battle that we were going through at the time. Um, I do think uh, Steiner says terrorism or terrorist approximately 300 times <laughs> uh, in the span of like two sentences. So, um, yeah, just just uh, th- these are not the two guys that need to be mm-hmm. uh, uh, doing this segment. Uh, that segment doesn't need to be done because it's just not doesn't have a place uh, really here. It's just somebody pushing their agenda uh, against somebody else's, uh, I'm guessing. Um, but. Um, I love that. I love that uh, Nowinski had the uh, facial apparatus on his head the whole time. <laughs> yeah. He brought it just in case uh, things got physical. So, um, but he could look like a goober with that on his head the whole time. But yeah, just just not a segment that needs to be around here. Steiner looked uncomfortable. Like once he was like he ten words in, he looked nervous. Like he was afraid he's gonna like botch it or something. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Just not good. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. And then, like, where's three minute warning coming from? We haven't seen them in a while. Uh, and uh, so we follow this up with the French, another promo for the the French gentlemen who are going to be coming to teach a lesson to WWE. And uh, the line I got from this: "We will bring our wealth of culture," which I thought was a nice phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grenier and Dupree uh, m- making themselves known. Um, I forget what their little catchphrase is, but it's something that's like not super intimidating. Uh, it's whatever's at the end of their videos. I can't remember what it is uh, off the top of my head right now, but uh, it's not like it's not like they're like being uh, very abrasive or anything like that. They sound like they are, but like at the end, there's this little catchphrase, and it's just something that's super like neutral and like <laughs> not, not, not not at all aggressive. So. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's good to feature these guys and, uh, I kind of announced that they're coming around. Yep. All right. We then hear, uh, what's going to be our, our theme for backlash to be remedy by Cole, which is a great, uh, deep butt rock cut from Oh three. And they kind of run down our current card, which is, uh, it's, it's a little sketchy so far. We have the six man tag. I believe they have announced that it's going to be Trish and jazz are going to have a match. So the card is starting to come together. We'll we'll run it down more as we get closer, maybe into the go home. But it it definitely feels more of a uh, a like you usually either have a backlash card that's like a reset or like running back mania, and this definitely feels like they're trying to reset a bit because some of these matches seem a little thrown together. Oh yeah 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 yeah. It's just not the Jesus. I've said sorry. I clicked on something and it was bothering me for a second um yeah yeah yeah. just not not the not the best um my brother definitely had uh the uh cd uh that this song was on uh that was the theme for this pay-per-view so um but yeah um you know it's not a bad uh card pay-per-view but um i I think i think it definitely has chances to uh kind of jump up and, and be something exciting but um Definitely not the most inspiring card uh, to look at. So your brother on Year of the Spider? He did. I, I remember that being in like the, you know, how you have the thing that was uh, hanging from mm-hmm. your uh, mirror uh, above your seat. Yeah. So, uh, he definitely had one of those. And that was, I, I remember the spider is the reason I remember uh, him him having it. So definitely mm-hmm. had that one. Miss a CD case. Yep. Love a, love a CD case. Uh, all right, let's get to our main event here. So it's going to be uh, Triple H and Flair versus Hurricane and Booker T. 
the, uh, the faces when Booker T gets his rematch. Uh, a lot of fast-paced action, quick tags. Uh, I dug the Booker T and, and Flair interaction, laying the chops in. Always like Hurricane hitting his kicks. I just thought this was like a a pretty good like main event. It was just them, a lot of quick tags. Never really slowed down much. They didn't really fall too much on the heat uh, segment. Earl takes like a wicked spill on this one. Like when he goes to take the chair from Triple H, it just gets fucking flung. Like Earl gets ragdolled. Um, but it kind of ends in a bit of a schmaz as uh, Sean runs in, uh, hits the sweet chin music on Flair, and that allows Booker T to get the win. So, uh, again, not going move for move on this one. It was just like a good, I thought this was like a totally fine 10-minute main event, uh, a fast-paced action between these guys, all very capable. Didn't get into any kind of like, they never went into like Triple H slowdown mode, which I think helped this match quite a bit. I always like Hurricane's energy in a situation like this. So I ended up going two and three quarters. I thought this was a totally fine, if not like spectacular tag main event. Yeah, perfectly fine. That's what I put down as well. I went two and a half, a little lower than you, obviously. Um, but I, I questioned why Triple H let Flair start. Like Triple H's title, uh, having or somebody having a shot at Triple H's title is on the line. So you would think he would want to defend him, his, his <laughs> uh, chance to, uh, not have a title match uh, uh, first, but he lets Flair start the match. Um, you know, as the champion, I feel like you would want to fend off your uh, possible challenger. So, be yeah, a perfectly fine match. Like like you said, it didn't get enough time for Triple H to really uh, bore it down with any of his rest holds or anything like that. But Hurricane looked good. Booker T looked good. Uh, Flair didn't look bad for not having been in the ring a uh, ton over the last uh, little while. Um, and Triple H, like he, like we supposed to said, that he didn't really have enough time to get into his boring stuff. So, um, but just perfectly fine match, two and a half. Yep. All right. So we have our post match here. We end on a big scrum with all the six man participants uh, coming in. Nash and Triple H start to have a stare down. Uh, Nash takes the sledge from Triple H, um, but Nash hits Booker T in a surprise and power bombs him. Booker uh, goes after Sean for some reason with this. But regardless, uh, as Coach points out, good job by Coach here, not letting us forget what the point of all this bullshit is, um, that Booker T is going to get a title shot next Monday now, it appears. But just real messy. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess they can clean this all up next week. But I was very confused. And like, like, I didn't know what they were going for. Like, why is Booker T hitting Sean? What is Nash doing? It's almost like they want to be like sowing the seeds of the scent for the six man. Uh, so they just kind of randomly had all this going on. But it's just real messy. And then Booker T getting the shot. Like, nobody's going to have me believe that Booker T's won this fucking match the week before the pay-per-view. Before he's going to be in a six man. Like, they're never going to do that. It's just all a little bit too convoluted for me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Booker had to get the shot somewhere uh, in this because he did defeat Triple H uh, the previous week. Um, so um, he, he, he deserved to have the opportunity to go at it. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I was real confused by the whole um, them all attacking each other. But, I mean, I think I think it was more that, like, you know, Nash accidentally elbowed uh, Booker and then Booker kind of accidentally hit Sean uh, and and just like you said the boring sowing seeds at Ascension kind of thing that the, that they do usually in these uh, wacky uh, six man teams that, that they just kind of throw together so um, it's definitely for that purpose um, but yeah it's just to show that little bit of you know is Nash really on Triple A or really on Sean and Booker T's side you know and and just to sow that seed of dissent kind of like you said so. 
um, yeah, definitely a weird way to finish it up. Yep. All right, so that wraps up Raw. Um, I don't know, Logan. I thought this was a, a bad Raw. Like, not even just <laughs> I thought it was bad. Like, I was going through after watching and trying to think, like, if there's anything on this I would ever want to see again. And I felt like as I'm running through the show, most of it, like, at best, things were just, like, all right. And at worst, they were, like, actively bad. Like, the debate is bad. I don't know. I don't like the build with the Goldberg stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening segment was bad. You know, like, yeah. at best, some of the stuff was good. And there was a lot of bad on the show. So I ended up going 3 out of 10. This is one of the – definitely one of the weaker Raws, I think, since I started the entire pod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 3 sounds about right. Um, pretty mm-hmm. much the only – 10 seconds of the show I would want to watch again is Goldberg just sawing Christian in <laughs> half uh, with the spear and then nailing the jackhammer. But other than that, about 10, 15 seconds, uh, yeah, this one can uh, probably never be watched again. Um, yeah, just the opening promo is not very good. The debate is just not something you need to see on wrestling television. And the matches were all either like average good or painfully average or like slightly above average. So not a ton of uh, matches to buoy uh, the, the averageness and the terribleness of the segments. Yeah, it was a rough one. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see if SmackDown could turn around as they do sometimes, but SmackDown hasn't been knocking out of the park either. I'll say, so we'll see. So this will be the, um, the April 17th, Oh three SmackDown. We are live from the scope in Norfolk. Um, here, Logan. Uh, we get a nice little butt rock montage to recap our uh, number one contenders tournament because tonight we have the final between John Cena and Chris Benoit to see who will face Brock Lesnar at the pay per view. Um, Nothing like being at the Norfolk scope. So. Yep. Gotta love Norfolk. Norfolk. <laughs> All right. We start off with um, our latest favorite tag team, Logan, and that's Tajiri and Ray Mysterio. And they're going to be facing Train Show, who we haven't seen team in a couple weeks, I think. They've kind of been on the down low. Um, awesome counters by Ray, as always. I like the way he uh, kicked Train to the ground here. And just like a good, like, um, awesome dynamic with the the little guys and the the big guys here like just the way they work this like the small guys using the double teams trying to equalize them and then the big guys coming in and laying them out um show gets in his regular giant offense on ray which is stomps and throws pretty much all big show does at this point uh i dug the uh definitely a train is the more uh the work rate guy of the big men he hits his uh that kind of as taz calls it like a reverse full nelson hole deal uh, show, I thought I did like their double teams too. Like they got a, a nice, um, like he's holding them in that, uh, like stretching them and big show gets in a nice slap on Ray's chest, which I thought was good. Yeah. And like, I just dug here that like already on SmackDown, we just have teams that have like an actual identity, like even big show and train who are not like, you know, this top tier team, they have an identity. Like, you know, big shows where the giant train could do a little bit more in ring, like, and they even work in some double team stuff compared to like Morley and Storm, who just seem like two dudes who are just there. Um, but Tajiri lets it rip with the springboard. I thought it was really good. The one handed press on Ray was a six spot, too. Um, we end up, uh, Train ends up actually eating a kick to the head by Tajiri. And, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Tajiri hits the, gets the train kick. I'm sorry, and takes the pin for the team. So the big guys get the uh, get the win here. But I thought this was a real uh, fun big guys versus little guys kind of affair here. I ended up going three stars on it. Uh, I thought this really well worked. 
yeah, I went three stars as well. And uh, A Train actually does hit the or take the buzzsaw kick too, but uh, uh, yes, show comes in and breaks up the pin. So um, my first note is I wondered if this was the greatest weight and height discrepancy in, tag, <laughs> in a tag match in history. It's got to be up there. I don't know for sure if that's a, a a fact or anything like that, but just you know, five hundred pounds, seven foot of the big show, and you know. A train's got to be at least maybe 350, 375, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 6'11, 6'10, something like that. He's a big old boy, too. So, mm-hmm. um, got to be, got to be one of the biggest, uh, biggest, uh, discrepancies in an attack match ever. Um, but like, I, I sent, I sent to you in our chat, I was like, seconds into this, into this match, it was already more entertaining than any match mm-hmm. on Raw. So, yep. uh, any segment, any part of Raw. So, um, I thought it was a you mentioned it six spot where A Train had him in the uh, submission and he let uh, Big Show doing the big frying pan chop that uh, Michael Cole would kind of call it in the future. Um, show holding Mysterio over his head with one arm, uh, well, one hand, one arm was awesome. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, a really good opening tag. Um, I, I don't think that Mysterio and Tajuri as a team could disappoint you at this point, um, but I thought they mixed the big guys kind of dominating most of the match. But they gave Mysterio and Tajuri enough opportunities to where it seems like maybe they had a chance of pulling it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a really well-balanced and good uh, way to open the show for sure. So, yeah, I went three as well. Mm-hmm. It just, like, makes me wonder, like, is it just the agents or what's the deal? Or is it's it just like, be. Yeah, like, because it's not like you have, like, these shitty guys in the in the Raw tag. I mean... It's all guys who are talented, but it just seems like, like in this match, they kind of had something they were trying to focus on. Like, all right, we're going to go out there. Like, we're going to do the double team. Like, it had more of a, like, they were doing more of a story in this match. Like, where Raw, it just seems like when they do have tags, they just, even when they give them time, it just seems so meandering for the most part. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, these just pop so much better. But uh, so we go to the post-match attack. Tajiri gets the mist, Logan. Uh, did you catch what color the mist was? Was it the uh, green? It was green. So it was the regular basic old mist that Tajiri pulls out all the time. <laughs> just run-of-the-mill mist. Tajiri um, really sticks to the green for the most part. Um, there will be a storyline eventually where he does use the uh, black. Uh, but uh, you'll get to that eventually. I think it's actually this year. So um, you'll, you'll get to that eventually throughout the year. The human mystopedia on Logan Crossland. <laughs> there you go. I can't um, remember. I, 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 temporary blindness is, I believe, what the green mist does. So um, there you go. Checks out based on what we're about to see here. Um, so so Tajiri gets the miss. Show comes back to try and go for him. And Ray sneaks like kind of a 619 on the ring post and hits Big Show. And like, so we go backstage and Big Show is like furious here. Like, <laughs> they, like I guess they try and play it up on commentary. Like Taz and Cole are laughing about it. But like. Big Show is like really overset. He's like, everyone was laughing at me. I was humiliated. Like, I don't know if it's like that. Like he didn't get like, it's like he slipped on a banana peel or something. Like he was so angry. I guess that's part of what they're doing. He's kind of like irrationally angry. But the point is now he wants Ray one-on-one. So they've kind of quickly moved this into like a Big Show Ray feud with that little moment. Yep, exactly. Yeah, he, he is fuming, just furious. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, not not a not not the best segment for a big show there, but uh, it's obviously just to set up uh, the match uh, for, for for backlash that they will have. So, um, yeah, uh, it'll be an interesting match to, uh, to to have. Um, it's not a matchup that they have done a lot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they did it in this tag match, but I don't think they've had a one on one yet. So, interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we'll see through the show, you could see them definitely trying to microwave some stuff to have to fill out this pay-per-view card, and this yeah. is an example here. Yeah, you'd have thought there was like a, a laugh track or something during this story. Big Show yeah, was acting yeah, yeah. like he was so mad. Yeah, the whole the whole, <laughs> the whole uh, audience just erupts in laughter, and it's just like played over and over on uh, replay or something. Like that's how all of our fuck, mm-hmm. all of our fuck laughing at him. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, a rare Michael Cole in the ring uh, to interview someone here. He's going to let Brock come out and speak. Uh, Brock comes in and laugh and says he felt the pain after landing on his noggin at WrestleMania. Uh, God. This, it, we'll go through it, but it, it, it took him, he says it took him five months to regain his title after all this. He does, of course, what you love, the, the Kurt. Kurt. <laughs> Kurt. Kurt kicked out of two F5s, and let me tell you something, those F5s hurt. Those F5s hurt Kurt. <laughs> he says, uh, but he says, Kurt, Kurt took it to another level, and then he's interrupted by Cena. So before we get to Cena here, this, I was not feeling this. This felt very much like they're trying to, like, face Diesel Brock here. What did you think, Logan? Yeah, that that is exactly what I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this is the most generic face promo gets his catchphrases in kind of jokingly threatens the interviewer um, and, and like shows respect for the man that he, he beat the title for. Who's an obvious heel and uh, you know, left as somebody that was kind of despicable. I mean, they hugged after the match, I guess, but you know um, he, he was supposed to be this like slimy heel that he went up against that was ducking him for months. So um, yeah, just the most generic face, uh, I'm a cool guy, uh, promo. Um, and him saying noggin is just like, Oh my God. Uh, so it was very, it was cringeworthy. Like very I don't cringe. similarly like this early in his run, like this is not like what even got him over as a face is like going back to the hell of the cell, like him standing on the top of the cell, like fucking King Kong, like with the blood on him. Like it was not him going out there being smiling, making jokes and like, you know, those F5s hurt, buddy. Like, what the hell are we doing? This, uh, I don't know. I'm really, I don't remember much about the second half of this initial Brock run, but God, I hope it's not this. I hope we move away from this quickly because this is not, this is not what I want from Brock. I, so, I, think, but, they, I think they do. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Anyway, he's interrupted by Cena. Um, he says uh, after he's, you know, Cena's upset because he keeps putting over Kurt, but he never has any respect for Cena. He calls Brock a liar because there's no way he got a concussion at WrestleMania because you have to have a brain to have a concussion. Um, and Cena says that he's bigger than everyone. So here comes Benoit, the other possible number one contender. He tells Cena he doesn't know what respect means. Uh, he says he beat him. Uh, Brock has Benoit if he respects him. They just all keep saying respect like 400 times yeah. awkwardly. <laughs> it's like, do you respect me? Well, if you're talking about respect, uh, it was weird. Brock says he'll respect whoever wins tonight. Um, and to cap it off, Cena lands a cheap shot on Benoit and um, to kind of uh, close this out. So it got the point across, but it was definitely awkward. It's the best way I could describe this whole deal between like weird smiley Brock and them like 
not knowing what to say. Like Cena seemed like he had the most idea of like he was the best on the mic out of these guys here. Like the when they got to the respect thing, I didn't know I didn't think they knew what the hell they were trying to say. Yeah, not not a very well put together segment for sure. But um yeah, Cena, I feel like anytime he insulted either of the guys, he would say it and then like immediately back up and be like, Oh, that's not how I meant it or whatever. So um he was pretty good at uh, piping in the insults, but like knowing that he was gonna get his ass kicked if he kept it up, so um, but yeah, they did say respect about three million times, so you're correct on that one. But um, um, not 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 uh, Cena looked the best, like you said, but not not a great segment for either of the face guys here. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I felt like they didn't know what they wanted to say, so they just got nervous and said respect. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I don't know if this is the way you build with these guys. Um, anyway, all right, we get our first mention of uh, Mister America here. Logan, I wonder who that could be. Uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. Very patriotic of uh, uh, WWE right now, so uh, makes sense. Of course. All right. All right, we will pivot to um, uh, a match between Eddie Guerrero and Jamie Noble, which sounds like a banger on paper. Uh, Team Angle, though, come out to mock Eddie on the ramp. Uh, they mock his accent and says his grandma is the best housekeeper. Eddie is pissed, so he kind of lays into Noble. This was like... It only lasted a couple minutes, but it was just constant action. But I did like, and I thought was the main point of this, because really it's just a decisive win for Eddie. Um, you know, like they go at it for a little bit, some cool reversals. Uh, Nidia tries to delay Eddie when he's up top, but Chavo kind of neutralizes Nidia. He gets the sprog fla- the <laughs> the sprog flash, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the frog splash for the uh, decisive win over Noble. So. I thought that's pretty much what this was, was I thought they did a good job of going with like Eddie's pissed because they mocked him and he felt a little more aggressive than even he usually is a little bit more strike based than maybe normal for Eddie. And he was pissed. So he just went out there and took it out on noble. So two stars, I felt like it accomplished his purpose. And of course, after Eddie grabs a mic and then, um, says that, uh, Team Angle always putting each other in holds, and they give a new meaning to you suck. Travel pipes on with that. So, and then they kind of scrum. Team Angle and the girls scrum off of that. So, I guess Eddie making some some gay jokes about Team Angle to <laughs> to counter their racist remarks. So, there you go. 2003. So, but I went two on the match, Logan. Yeah, yeah, they match racism with homophobia. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. W- w- way to go, guys. Um, yeah, Ben Benjamin's Guerrero impression was pretty cringe to t- put on top of um uh just some of the cringy uh lines that have been said so far throughout the show and Haas Haas's line was uh, uh pretty cringe as well with uh grandma being the housekeeper um I thought it was a really solid match between these two guys uh Noble's consistently kind of being one of the best workers on TV uh, he's been in a lot of good cruiserweight tags and um a couple of good singles matches throughout the last month or so so uh he's he's caught Constantly in uh, probably one of the better matches on TV every week. Um, so it, it's a testament to how good of a worker he is. But, yeah, um, I went two and a quarter. I thought it was a solid solid for the time that they were given. Uh, but it, it really showed an aggressive side from Eddie, like you said. And uh, Noble uh, was good at taking those bumps and kind of stuff. So uh, as cringe as the, maybe the uh, – the, uh, the promos were before and after um, the match was pretty solid. Um, but, 
but yeah, uh, uh, just just the blowjob jokes and God, God, Chavo sucks with the oh, you'll do a new meaning to you suck. God, I mean, I hate Chavo so much. Even face Chavo pisses me off. So he's just awful, terrible. All right, we go to another uh, another <laughs> video. <give> back. <laughs> <laughs> the French back to our French gentleman. They tell us that problems are supposed to be solved at the UN, and I like that they actually showed like an image of the UN. Um, but my favorite part of this is they cut back to the announce table, and Taz is like, he's like, we got the French, we got the FBI, we got. The, it's like I feel like I'm in NATO. <laughs> it's like such a good Taz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weird line. It's like I'm in NATO, Cole. All right, uh, we then find out that Ray versus Big Show in the past 10 minutes has been announced for uh, for a backlash. So, again, putting this together quick. So, we had one little incident, and now they have the match. And we're also, we're talking to get Nathan Jones versus Nunzio at a backlash. So, we'll see, Logan. I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll find out later in the show. Um, all right, we then get a recap of all the FBI taker stuff, which we've been covering um, and then we see Nathan Jones run into Nunzio backstage and kind of choke him against some, uh, they always have some random fencing uh, yeah. backstage at <laughs> all these WWE shows. So he chokes him against a random pizza like Cyclone fence. Yeah, like uh, the bo- the boiler room fence. There's always a chain link fence in the uh, in boiler rooms for some reason, uh, in all these arenas. So, uh, but yeah, you, you, it was a good prop for Nathan Jones absolutely choking the shit out of Nunzio here, um, and that uh, cage door swing into the uh, Stamboli was pretty sick as well. So, uh, for all of the stuff that has made um, Nathan Jones look like crap, uh, this actually did pretty good at presenting him as a badass, resilient kind of. Uh, big guy so i thought it went well for him all right we didn't head backstage to the uh somewhere else backstage in the shower area whereas we has uh we have tori is uh well no they're on the show i think there's some uh i'm thinking there's a locker room yeah yeah getting my uh, tori sable segments mixed up here um but tori she has her uh playboy tank top on she's uh boobing very boobily here as uh sable accosts her sable wants uh help with her zipper and uh I was just thinking, like, Tori's entire, like, ruthless aggression run so far is just could be, like, a super cut into, like, a Skinamax movie, like, mm-hmm. between her and Dawn Marie, this. And so, um, uh, Sable actually undoes it herself, reveals her bosom, and then, uh, her Tori, <laughs> <laughs> her boobies. And, uh, Tori kind of no sells it. And then, um, just so the crowd can get a little bit, uh, Sable actually turns around and reveals to the camera she's holding her boobs. So, mm-hmm. kind of harkening back to her, uh, the handprint bikini here. Yep. Uh, to O three sables, 10 times hotter than anything attitude mm-hmm. era. So, um, another thing we discussed in our chat earlier this week. Yes, so. We, uh, yeah. And I like the, the character. She's kind of down. Like it's the mannerisms are there. Like the way she's, yeah, it's, I just think she looks better. I feel like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's something, something's different about her. She just has like a different energy about her. And uh, I don't know, something, something strikes me a little bit more about this uh, run than it did the first time. Right. Probably because so, she doesn't she do the grind, which is like the <laughs> cringe of all cringes. So, yep. Right. All right. We then find out that we're going to get Rikishi versus Sean O'Hara. Um, at backlash as well, based on the altercation from last week. Uh, and on that, we will go right back to Piper's pit. So we have another edition of the new Piper's pit. Uh, Piper goes on a Piper rant about the, uh, the new generation. He says they're raised in quote computer barns. So were you raised in a computer barn, Logan? I don't believe so. 
don't believe so. I don't think that we weren't in, at that point of technology uh, in Mississippi at that point. So uh, computer. That sounds like on a movie, like with like it reminded me of like what is it from Toy Story, like the Toy Barn or whatever. Oh yeah, Al's Toy Barn. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, we, like we didn't they, get computer bar until about 20, 2008. So, um, yeah. <laughs> right. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I guess he's supposed to be leading to like that. That's not what Sean O'Hare is. Who knows? But he replays the the snooker moment, the famous snooker moment where he hits snooker with the coconut. Then he replays last week where they kind of redid that with Rikishi. And then he finally puts over Sean O'Hare as smart, has cojones, and the only one that can be the new Piper, et cetera, et cetera. Um, O'Hare comes out, he kisses Piper's ass, says that no one has stayed on top like Roddy Piper has, yada, yada, yada. And then cue the surprise by Jimmy Snooker, who shows up here in Norfolk. Um, I love Piper going, as Jimmy's coming out, he goes, hey, Jimmy. <laughs> Craig, God. <laughs> um, Just ridiculous. So he kind of, uh, Piper shoves off O'Hare and tosses his coat. He uh, he tells Jimmy he wants to uh, bury the hatchet. Snooker's not having it. He chops Piper. O'Hare and Rikishi run in. Pretty paint-by-number stuff here. They kind of brawl. O'Hare cleans, cleans things out, stands tall. But then um, uh, Rikishi comes back in, gets them out of the way. Him and Snooker do a stare-off as uh, their, uh, Piper and O'Hare are, are begging off. And then Rikishi grabs the mic and says, Big Kishi, no joke. So, uh yeah, just again, pretty paint by number stuff here, just to try and give this match some juice. But I don't know if 03 Rikishi and Sean O'Hare, even with the, even with the Jimmy Snook and Roddy Piper rub, is doing a whole lot for me, Logan. Yeah, I'm I'm not into this Piper run at all. Um, I, I'm I'm not as big on Piper as a lot of people are. Uh, he's definitely better in the 80s. His stuff is awesome uh, at that point. But um, once he gets past a certain point, he's just kind of a rambling, incoherent. Uh, old man and I, I just don't enjoy uh, anything he has to say um the pairing with him and o'hare is still weird uh we talked about that on the last episode um it'll be interesting to see where it goes um but i, I didn't really need to see jimmy snooker come out and relive this whole uh segment from the 80s uh here and um you know rikishi's his proxy because they're uh quote unquote related mm-hmm. uh, like they try to act like he's his uncle or something like that when Really, they're not related at all in any way. So, <laughs> right, and I feel like it's not accomplishing. Like the purpose here is like they're trying to do anything they can to give Sean O'Hare the rub, like mm-hmm. give him this Roddy Piper thing. But he just feels like when you watch these segments, he is the most forgettable part of all of it. Like I, I never really remember what he said. He doesn't have any. Like the line I remember is "Big Keish ain't no joke." That was the line I remembered, not anything Sean O'Hare said. And we haven't really gotten anything. Like, they're not relating this back to his whole, like, whatever, his little character about, his little vignettes about doing whatever you want, eating whatever you want, or whatever the fuck he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did say his little catchphrase of, I'm not telling you something or anything that you don't already know or something like that. So, I like that he fit that in. But, yeah, not nothing inspiring in this. Um, uh, and I hate to think uh, and kind of uh, imply that that's probably kind of the way it goes the whole time he's on the main roster. But... I would have loved to have seen him because uh, I think he's talented. So um, I would have liked to have seen him succeed, but I, I don't think he's headed for much success in this run. Yeah, this doesn't seem like it's gonna help him too much. All right, we uh, we then get a quick little video of Tori signing some Playboys for our fans. Um, I like that she said um, 
our decision to do Playboy she's like, I hope my fans would appreciate it. I'm like, I'm sure they did, Tori. I'm sure your fans, <laughs> you know, if I have any idea who your fans are, I think they were very pleased. I think a lot of stuck together pages would say that they appreciated it uh, a good bit. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, all these like, uh, you know, all these horny dudes like, no, no, don't please. You showed your tits in a magazine. How dare you? All right, so she's gonna have a match with. Uh, <laughs> she's gonna have a match in there. <laughs> she's gonna have a match with Nidia. This is our, but this is like what they do with Tori. She's like, yeah. Hey, I'm in Playboy. Here's a match that I'm in for the. Uh, all right, so Sable comes down as ref though unannounced, which is a little confusing for everyone. But Nidia kind of takes advantage of Tori's confusion with some shoulder blocks. Tori with the crossbody to start working her comeback. I love that you could hear Noble in uh, Nitty's corner. You just hear him faintly, come on, baby, <laughs> during the whole match. Let's go, baby. Come on, baby. <laughs> Always love that. Uh, Sable, of course, is a terrible ref. Uh, just awful counts <laughs> on this. Like, oh, God. Weird, awful. Just slow terrible. Uh, they go for Tori. Jesus, uh, that she might do a monkey flip, which Taz says, that's one sexy monkey. In. Uh, and probably the most the most well executed spot of the whole match. Um, it looks like um, like uh, Tori setting up for the win to go for the. I'm gonna start calling it the. I decided I'm gonna call it the tornadic DDT. <laughs> Not quite a full tornado, just tornadic activity. Um, but um, I thought Sable had the best executed spot in the match when she uh, baseball did the baseball slide to Noble to try and make sure he couldn't interfere. And she like slid right into the count. I thought that was really smooth on her. She hit her spot really well there. So, um, and so she counts the win for Tori. So, securing the win for her, um, her I don't know what you call that, her girl toy. Who knows? But yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, the the match was what it was. But the whole point was to push, continue pushing the Sable stuff. And I thought it accomplished that okay. I thought Sable did well again. I liked that. I thought she hit that baseball slap pretty smooth. So, I don't know. Star for me, Logan. Yeah, I went a little higher. I went one and a half. Um, I, I, Sable was out as a ref, obviously looking hot in her little uh, referee tank top thing that she had on, so uh, looking sexy as always. Um, these girls just kind of have a chemistry together uh, with each other, Nitty and Tori, um, which comes along with uh, facing each other every week for at least a year at this point. I feel like they have a match <laughs> every week, or they're in a tag match, or... Uh, they're in somebody's corner, so these girls face each other almost every week on TV. So uh, there, there's a chemistry that comes along with being in the ring a lot. But I tend to enjoy their matches for some reason. Tori's, I mean, I, I think Tori's hot. I always did. She was my girl back in these days, uh, watching TV as a youngster. So, um, but I just tend to enjoy these women's matches on on SmackDown for some reason. So uh, I'm, I, I always feel like I'm a little bit higher on them uh, than a lot of people probably would be. Um, but yeah, this, the straight line wins, uh, DDT by Tori is uh, always a fun one to see get hit. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I went one and a half. Yep. The, uh, mega push continues. All right. We then go to, uh, Matt Hardy and Brian Kendrick, as we usually do on SmackDown, just back to back matches here. Uh, it's going to be a cruiserweight title match. Our Matt facts are that Matt really digs his own book. And that Matt's favorite sushi is freshwater eel, which I wasn't sure if that was like a euphemism or what. I have no idea. No, no, <laughs> there no was like, there was some underlying meaning. But anyway, uh, I've loved them since he debuted, and I love them in this match. Kendrick is just like so balls to the wall in all these matches. Like, mm. this dude is like, will destroy himself. Like, 
just so like he has such a speed to everything he does it's like wild like and i kind of like this it was a real quick match but i like this whole dynamic of like kendrick is just constantly going for these like huge bombs every time he's like going for like these insane drop kicks and matt is just trying to keep this maniac down this entire match like (laughs) he's got the size on him but like kendrick is just so wild he doesn't really know what to do um I thought it was a really awesome counter spot in here where Kendrick kind of turned like Matt went for a full Nelson and Kendrick kind of bounced off the corner and turned it into a DDT. So that was awesome. Just he works in so many cool spots like that. And the velocity, no pun intended, because I'm sure he's on velocity a lot, but like just the velocity of all this stuff is super good. Like there's a wicked sidekick in here. That was really good. But um, I thought the finish was well done, too, because Matt kind of weathers all this and he kind of wins with some veteran know how because um, Kendrick goes for the sliced bread and Matt kind of counters that into the twist of fate kind of out of nowhere, almost like an old school, like uh, diamond cutter out of nowhere to uh, get the pin here. So, um, but I thought it was like a fun sprint. It's a good title defense. I don't think Kendrick loses anything because he's still just trying to like, I think him on SmackDown here is like a good example of how you can build a guy by his in-ring work. Cause he's getting over with the crowd. Like the crowd's really into him. But, like, mostly what's gotten him over is how insane he is in these matches. So it's just a good example that, like, not everybody has to be built up with, like, Sean O'Hara weird promo vignette things. Like, mm-hmm. like with a guy like Kendrick, just send him out there and, like, let him get himself over with his in-ring stuff. So two and a half for me. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I went two and a half as well. Yeah, Kendrick has been super impressive so far. Um, yeah, they even talk about it on commentary how innovative his uh, style is and how uh, innovative some of his moves are. And don't don't forget, it's sliced bread number two because, as Taz told us last week, right. it's the only thing better than sliced bread. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just an absolutely hot start for both guys. Um, I just don't know how they didn't go with Kendrick uh, further in the cruiserweight division. How he wasn't like the the guy uh, at any point. Um, I, I think he's real controversial backstage, so maybe that kind of held him back. I think he has a lot of weird views and uh, mm-hmm. maybe didn't rub, rub people the right way a lot of the times. So maybe that was probably. But he's just so great and very innovative, like I said, uh, that they say on commentary. A commentary. Um, at the end of the match, did you notice that there was like a weird jump cut uh, with the camera uh, when he hit the twist of fate? I feel like he hit the twist of fate or like locked it in, and there was this weird like camera mm. jump. I don't know if you noticed that or, or not. I didn't notice it, but it's very possible on SmackDown. It could have been like, uh, you know, like, hey, let's redo this move kind of thing, and mm-hmm. we'll edit it. It's very possible. Yeah, I, I didn't know if they botched a twist of fate or something like that, but yeah, I, I just felt like there was this weird, like, jump cut uh, right before he hit it. So I just didn't know if you noticed it or not. But, yeah, a really hot match. Uh, wasn't a ton of time, but uh, it was enough time to make uh, these two guys look really good. So, uh, yeah, just a really good match, and Kendrick continues to – Impress. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, they should. Uh, they should have put Brian Kendrick in the debate. See what he had to say. Yeah. <laughs> Real horse with the lizard people. Yep. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, you can get the Desert Divas DVD, Logan, available at Fye. Yeah, we talked about it on YouTube Roulette. Uh, I, I, uh, I made a comment on that uh, in my notes, and I said. I appreciate wanting to look at beautiful women in bikinis, or as with Playboy, even less. But I would have loved to have known anyone who bought these <laughs> WWE Divas VHSs because they came out with quite a few of them and sold them uh, every now and then, like you know, every other 
you know, every quarter they came out with a new one where they uh, shot in this exotic location. They were at the right, beach in one, and they were at the desert in this one. So I would love to know about somebody that uh, spent their uh, either parents' well-earned money or their own money uh, getting these Divas photo shoot uh, uh, DVDs or VHSs. Because that's a new level of uh, like what yeah like what is the actual content of this DVD? If anyone's listening and, and on this, uh, yeah, Trent Williams, if you can reach out, I'd like <laughs> to hear from you. I'm just playing. <laughs> or Rocco, I feel like Rocco kind of a lot of times yeah. will shoot, hit me up that he's, he's like, yeah, I remember that random thing. So yeah, if anybody could tell me like, yeah. What, what, yeah, like what was accurate? <laughs> Grinny will have it on VHS. Uh, yeah, I, just I wonder what the content was. Like, what is actually the like, interview? Them? Is it just like music montages with them posing? Mm-hmm. So. I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I've never seen any of them, so I can't. I'm not just saying that, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, they, they if you get like the DVDs at this time period, they would like preview previous pay-per-views and stuff like this. They would kind of do like an extended commercial where it's like, oh, we, you know, we, we had a good time at Cabo and uh, talk, you know, <laughs> talk about their careers and stuff like that. So I think it's interviews kind of laced right. with just sexy music with them in their bikinis uh, under, a wa- under a waterfall. So, yeah. Just ridiculous. All right. All right then we'll go to um, Nunzio versus, uh, versus uh, Nate, uh, Nate Jones here. Uh, <laughs> All right, we'll see how he fares in this one. I thought a kick in the beginning. It's like I can call every move in a Nathan Jones match because he ends up doing like three moves. So it's like pretty good kick. He tossed uh, Nunzio, but then okay, so I guess two moves in this one. Uh, but a quick <laughs> FBI run in to stop Nate from having a real match. Obviously, they don't want this to last more than forty seconds. Um, but I thought he looked better in his two yeah. moves he hit in this than he has been. Um, but unfortunately him, he eats a big kick from old Chucky and, uh, heavily imply as we'll see in a moment, as Cole's going to tell us and during that main event or before the main event, uh, they put his leg on the steps and possibly it's very much implied that they probably broke his leg, which would of course write him off of the show. Uh, yeah, I, I have uh, been lying this whole time and saying, uh, this is the last time. No, this is the <laughs> last time. So I'm telling you now with absolute certainty, until he comes back uh, for his second attempt, this is the last time we see him until that happens. So uh, he has gone after this uh, and is sent back to developmental. So um, no more Nathan right. Jones. And just as I think he was kind of catching on, like you said, I think he looked better in this. And I think he looked pretty good in the backstage segment. So I'm um, sad to see him uh Maybe start trying to catch on and uh, then finally getting kicked out. So I feel like because um, Cole like offhandedly mentions to it's either before then the show. I know he says Taker. It's like dealing with an injury is going to be out because he had like elbow surgery or something. Yeah, that's right. So I that probably didn't do me because they're like, all right, Taker's out anyway. He was kind of the only reason we're keeping you around because you're involved with him. Taker's gone, so that gives us a perfect excuse to <laughs> kick your ass to the curb. So. Yeah, he didn't have his mentor to kind of guide him, so he's uh, he's Gonesville. Sorry, Nate. We barely knew you. All right. He'll be back. Don't worry, but uh, it'll be a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We get a very uh, jingoistic Mr. America promo here before our main event. Just every image of, like, patriotic American shit you can think of um, all kind of thrown in. So we'll see what Mr. America is going to be. 
Well, with that, Logan, we will go to our main event. It's going to be the final of the number one contenders tournament that has been happening on SmackDown the past few weeks. So it'll be Benoit versus John Cena. All right. Um, we get the Cena rap before. He had some good lines, a few zingers, as he always does. Um, he says, tells Benoit if he goes broke, he could always rent the space between his teeth. Um, yeah. But definitely the best one of them is him calling him, a, I forget the setup, but he calls him a dynamite ripoff, which was really mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah, super uh, good rap. I really enjoyed this one for sure. Yeah. So um, I think as we're setting up, as we're going to this match, it made me think the the tournament's been effective because I felt like this match did feel like a big deal. Like it felt like we've been building to this pretty well. Yeah. Um, so we get started. Benoit, of course, wants to turn into a technical um, struggle, which would definitely favor him. Cena keeps hanging in, though. He takes the chops. Uh, he hits a nice little blockbuster um, there. So he was pulling out some shit here. He had the guillotine leg drop also. Cena did. That was awesome. Um, and just like a good rookie versus veteran dynamic where Benoit is really getting most of the offense, but as he has in most of these matches, since he's kind of become more of a, a serious heel, I guess you could say, like since he stopped doing the goofy stuff, Cena's kind of, he takes quite a beating, but he, um, he keeps on going and, and gets his spots in. He keeps grounding Benoit with the headlocks, doesn't sit in him for too long. And it makes sense in the story of the match here, but Benoit powers out with the Germans, um, we get a sequence, uh, great sequence by Benoit. Like, he hits the suplex, great snap on all that. Cena really showing out in this tournament, like, especially showed in this match. Like, I had, um, and this might be something we talk about when we sum up the whole match, but, like, I had kind of forgotten that, like, this era of Cena. Like, I feel like nobody really thinks much about what Cena was doing until he wins the title, the, uh, what was it, the U.S. title at WrestleMania 20. Yeah. So I'd, I had, like, forgotten he was even putting this much of a spot this early. Did you? I don't know. No, I, I remembered it because it, it was just like mm-hmm. one of those random trivia questions. Like, you know, when when mm-hmm. was uh, Cena's first main or not main event, but first big title match on pay per view? And uh, you know, mm-hmm. it was always one of those that stumped you because you would think, oh, it was uh, mm-hmm. it was WrestleMania 21, but no, it's this it's this backlash match with uh, Lesnar. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do remember right. it, but mostly because of stuff like that. So. Right. So going to the finish, Benoit misses the headbutt, uh, rolls into the crossface, but Cena just barely, uh, some good drama as he barely gets to the ropes. He has to kind of, I think they milked it for over overly long, but it was some good drama there. We get some twisting reversals, and then Cena finally is able to pin. Um, he gets Benoit's legs down in a roll-up, and um, we uh, he steals the win on that. So uh I thought it was fitting, Logan. We're recording this like during March Madness because this felt very much like a March Madness kind of upset in a way, mm-hmm. like with Cena kind of stealing it here. Like he hangs the whole time. It's like, uh, it's like you know, like if you can just stay within a few uh, a few points, you you have a shot at the end. That's kind of what Cena did throughout this, and it was. I thought they did really well for this only being like ten minutes. It was just a struggle the whole time. Cena's got to survive. He fights from underneath mostly and survives just long enough to kind of get it from Benoit. So, um, yeah, again, I didn't recall this spot for Cena. Like, I think I maybe recalled that he did get the title match, but I definitely didn't remember like this show again, the Benoit match. I thought this was a, a really awesome main event. Um, I went three and a half on it. I thought Benoit was, you know, what you expect from Benoit really good in this spot. And he just gets Cena over really well. Like, and I don't think Benoit loses anything here because they built it so well that it was kind of a rookie, like, like a scrappy scene of just kind of stealing that at the end 
where Benoit probably should have won. He's probably the more talented guy. But on this night, Cena just kind of beat him. So I thought a really a really good finish to this tournament. Yeah, I'm probably more in your your vein too. I remember them getting mm-hmm. the title shot, but I don't remember how good or how well this uh, run went for him. Um, I don't remember the matches that led to him getting the title shot. I knew he kind of won a tournament, and I knew he uh, faced Brock, but I didn't really know how it got there and the matches that he had because, yeah, he's been pretty impressive in the matches he's had throughout the tournament so far. Um, There's just such an intensity and a great need to win uh, this Mm -hmm. match shown early by both guys. I feel like they really are going for it big time just to start. Uh, as well as throughout the match, but really to start, it was as, it was evident that they really both wanted to win and get this big spot uh, that was on the line. There was a dive, uh, like a suicide dive that um, Benoit did at one point where his foot kind of clipped the rope, so it uh, almost could have ended earlier than it even started because uh, it was kind of a scary little spot because he uh, Cena catches him, but uh, if he hadn't caught him, it, he might have gone like head first in the ground. So um, pretty. Could have been a pretty brutal spot. Um, but uh, the little flip over bulldog that uh, Cena does, I miss him doing that. Uh, that's a move that he kind of moves away from eventually. But um, in this early run, uh, it's one of his kind of signatures that kind of sets up some other stuff. So I, I, I really like that move, and I wish he had kept doing it for a while. Um, I don't know if I, this is another thing I said to you in our chats throughout the week. So we talked a lot about uh, some of these matches, but um, I don't know if there's such thing as a resilient heel. Uh, but Cena is doing it in spades in this and doing it very well. Um, he, he's very resilient in this match. I feel like that's usually for uh, baby faces. So uh, it was kind of weird to see the heel uh, Cena do it in it here. Uh, it kind of probably shows that he's probably going to be better off as a face eventually. He just needs mm-hmm. to kind of build himself up a little bit more uh, throughout this run. So I probably got a flash of the future uh, a little bit there. Um, but I, I liked how crafty he was at the end to reserve, uh, reverse the sunset flip uh, and kind of do the Owen Hart uh, where he kind of catches him and holds the legs uh, mm-hmm. and gets the win. So he looked very crafty, very resilient, and uh, showed a real intensity to want to want to win and get this shot uh, at Brock because he, he wants to prove himself. And, uh, you know, him and Brock had the stuff even before Mania. Um, so there's a rivalry there for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a really good match, and I, I went three and a half like you. Yeah, yeah, it is cool that's that you mentioned like uh, that they actually paying that off because he has been talking shit for a while to Brock. So it is cool that they didn't really forget about that, and it kind of shows that he was like laser focused. And yeah, they've done a good job of pivoting him more to this kind of almost like a tweener character a bit because he like is a heel because he has all the smart ass remarks and just like being a a wannabe rapper guy is kind of a heel character. But then he's a little bit of a tweener because he talks all this shit, but in the ring, he's like we said, he's real scrappy and like holds his own. He's moved a little bit, um, you know, he still will use the chain, but even when he uses the chain now, it seems a little bit more like, again, like a, like he's just being resourceful. Like it's not played as much as like a cheating heel sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a real interesting character I think he's got going on. And, and, and he's got the lines of the rapping. It's like, to me, this this whole stretch here in this tournament is like I could see when they were starting to see that they had something with this guy. Like, because you start to see it here that he has like Absolutely. an hit factor to him, like in the ring with the promos. Like, he has a certain uh, like energy to him that I think like an intangible. So you, I could see how they were maybe starting to see like maybe this guy has something in the tank more than we thought. So yeah, just uh, a good try out. And uh, 
Benoit was, yeah, he was awesome. And that's just a good way to end the show. And to me, it kind of, as we get into the overall show, it kind of, I don't want to say saved it because I don't think it was going to be an awful show, but it definitely, I think, was going to be more of a below average SmackDown just because, I mean, we got some entertaining matches, but a lot of the segments were kind of not my favorites. Like, I didn't think the Brock, the, you know, the Brock Cena and um, Benoit in the ring was that great. The Piper's Pit was, you know, whatever. And, you know, the matches, but a lot of it was just kind of throwing stuff together. Like, I feel like they're kind of lacking in the angles right now. So this match kind of saved it. So it brought up to a 5 out of 10 for me, really on the back of this tournament final. Yeah, we didn't have uh, Vince talking about uh, diseases that he doesn't understand this week. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, 5. Um, that sounds about right. Um, that match, the two, the opener and the main event, uh, kind of buoy it and uh, push it up to that point. Because like you said, the segments weren't very good. Um, Barack, your champion, uh, was involved in a segment that just, he just seemed so generic and like he was exactly reading out what they scripted him to say uh, before he went out. So um, just just not a ton of great segments, but uh, a really a couple, couple of really good matches and a couple of short matches that delivered uh, with the, the time that they were given. So um, pretty solid match show, but uh, segment wise, just not not very good at all and pretty bad, honestly. Yep. Yeah, I think they're missing Kurt a little bit. And yeah. funny enough, like not the in ring stuff. Like I think they're missing kind of because Kurt can kind of carry a lot of segments and promos and stuff, but. Anyway, they all right, we're going to Kurt is hurt. Lose if I's hurt. All right, uh, best match. I think we're both going that main event. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, best moment. I think kind of going off that, I would probably go. Well, I'd either go the Goldberg spear or just Cena, like Cena getting the title shot. Yeah, I think Cena emerging and uh, being the one that gets the title shot. I think he probably deserves it. All. I mean. There's going to be a bunch of six spears that uh, we're probably going to give that to, so um, we'll give it to we'll give it to Cena. All right, uh, the best show SmackDown based on our ratings. 100%. LVP of this one, I think we have a lot of candidates here. Oh man. <sighs> mm. I mean, I, I hate Piper in this era, so that that's Piper is a good one. He's I mean, definitely Te- on the short list. Mm-hmm. I was a test looked looked pretty good in the match, so we could probably give him a break for the week. But um, he's he's always a candidate. Um, Piper in the computer barn. Yeah, rambling like Piper an idiot. For, Yeah, Piper for the computer barn. Caught man. Yeah, let's go with him. Yeah, why not for his position? I mean, yeah, or <laughs> whoever decided the debate was a good idea. Yeah, you could go. Yeah, you could go Steiner and Winsky too for the that right. awful segment. So yeah, we're all right. Uh, LVP. Yeah. Um, MVP. We may have given it to. I don't know if we gave it to him last week, but I kind of want to go Cena again. Yeah, we did give it to Cena last time. So yeah, I'm 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 all in. I think he deserves it again, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. That's, I feel like the mm-hmm. three shows we've done so far was our MVPs were A Train and now Cena twice. So. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the exact thing that you would think uh, during this era, but yeah, certainly Cena's... some post mania um, weirdness going on. Mm-hmm, definitely, but yes, yeah, I'd go Cena for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, and I think the other contender with Benoit, which it's always you know any excuse to not give it to Benoit is probably good. Yeah, and you could go Mysterio to Jury, just their to their team. They're they're really good, but Cena definitely won the be- biggest match and looked pretty good in it. So. 
So some standouts, definitely the two jury uh, Ray team is always awesome. Um, I, I think I'm going to keep giving it to Kendrick until, you know, he disappoints me, but he's been killing it. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody on raw <laughs> RVD and Kane are good. I mean, it's not really their fault. Yeah. I, wouldn't. I don't think they're top five level though. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kendrick's a good one for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody. Uh, Eddie looked pretty good in that tag match, so you could put him in there. Um, I think Big Show and A Train look pretty good in that, and mm-hmm. on the other side of that tag match, so you could give it to them. Maybe maybe just A Train because Big Show kind of looked like a goober with the freaking out over being laughed at for getting knocked down. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean Booker won again, so you could go with Booker, I guess. But yeah, not too many standouts on uh, Raw for Elliot sure. Sadler. Yeah, the, the the Sadler family continuing to run wrestling. So, uh, yeah, you could definitely go with him. <laughs> right. So a little slim on this side. No Hollywood Rock. I, I this is, this is a down this is a down Hollywood Rock stretch for me. I'm not. Mm, yeah, not his best right? stuff for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, we made it through another week, Logan. We survived another <laughs> week of 2003. <laughs> Smackdown, Smackdown always because. makes it worth it. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, flat breezier. So, um, um, update us on what you got going on. Now you're on every episode, so it's like it's just like a uh, <laughs> buy a little a little update on what's going on on your numerous pods. Yeah, we uh, uh highway to the impact zone. We both do together. Um, going through TNA's history, uh, we're building up towards lockdown 2006. Kind of talked about it earlier. Uh, they're about to make the change to Thursday nights. Um, on Spike TV, uh, it won't be on our next episode to come out, but it'll be on one after that. Uh, which will be to go home to lockdown. Um, but yeah, just really exciting uh, live watch doing that. Uh, we have a good time. Um, but uh, seven months of danger. Um, we do that. Uh, we do. We also do that together. You're on. You're on the pay per views and clashes. But it's usually just me, Matt, um, Jeff, and Sean. Uh, we're about to. We just recorded the Super Bowl episode, so you were on that one with us. But. Uh, that was fun to talk about. We had a little disagreement uh, towards the end, so um, <laughs> that, that, that'll be interesting for the fans to listen to for sure. Um, but the other thing on the North-South I have is uh, Talking Docs. That is a, a documentary pod uh, with uh, the Cowboy and Jennifer Smith. Um, we talked about the Heaven's Gates Cult of Cults. Uh, so that one was an interesting to talk about. But uh, we'll have a new episode that we'll be recording kind of after Mania Weeks over this week. So, um but yeah, ever definitely check that out and check out everything here at uh, North South Connection. So do it. Yep. <laughs> I'll plug. Uh, we have a new PTB NXT that uh, will be dropping. I think the day after this pod drops over on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed. Talking some. Um, we're about to be at. I don't even know what takeover at this point. I don't even know what the name of it. I think we're still on the the uh, R. Well, I think is the next one for y'all. So. Oh, not, not an R one. See, Logan knows. He knows better than me. But we're go. almost to, to that takeover. <laughs> we're almost to the to the uh, takeovers where they're named after the city that they take place, and that'll be we're getting there soon. So it'll be a little easier to remember. But anyway, we got that, and of course, uh, everything here on the North South. A lot of people putting in a lot of work, especially doing the video stuff. Um, a lot of um, effort goes into that. So praise everybody who's doing that, even though I have not taken the plunge. But um, <laughs> many are, and it's it's awesome just to kind of um, change it up a bit. I think it's awesome everybody's doing that. So check all that out. 
Uh, Logan, you will join me again, and uh, next time we will cover the go-home to Backlash, and then after that we'll get to Backlash and see all this shakes out uh, in this very strange month that you've been covering with me of uh, <laughs> TV. Um, what, what a strange journey we've been on. But yeah, like I said last time, we have faces on radio, so probably best that we don't do the whole video thing. <laughs> so uh, join us next time to see... Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe this will be the beginning of... It's like Cena wins earlier than you thought, right? Cena wins, LOL. It's like SmackDown 2003. Anyway, we'll be back in a couple weeks to cover that. Thanks for joining me, Logan. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. 